0: Five, <laughs> four,
1: Two, hook up my shoe. Three, four, knock on the door. Five, six, pick up sticks. Seven, eight. Don't be late. <laughs> Nine, ten. Come back again.
2: Open the gates of hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, we seem to be working now. We had a bit of a snafu there and had to restart the stream, but hello, welcome. Bienvenue, Venu welcome to the Amazon Inquisition episode two hundred and ninety-one on Sunday the sixth of August, twenty twenty-three. I'm Phil. I am Ben, and I'm Matt. And tonight we're joined by Matt Apocalypse. Uh, wow. Are you there, Matt?
0: <laughs> <Are> yeah, <you> there. Yay! <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! Don't know what happened there. Just like a sick joke. It yeah. was a sick joke. Yeah. How are you doing, Matt? It's been. I was looking on uh, our last video, and it's a year to the day tomorrow. Wow! Since you were last wow. year, mm. how you yeah, been it,
3: keeping? It's, it's been a long time. I, I can see in the camera my my face looks a little bit rounder since I bought that bread maker in this last year.
1: <laughs> what's uh, what's your favourite uh, homemade bread?
3: I just prefer a normal white loaf, to be honest, just boring. slathered in butter. <laughs> Put all sorts in them, can't you? You can but, make cakes, yeah. Ah,
2: cake Cake beats bread every every single day.
4: Checking. I made a so. I made a really dense fruit loaf in a in a bread maker, and the, the tin is about I don't know maybe like eight inches tall, maybe more, ten inches tall. And this cake did not rise, and it was in the bottom inch
0: <laughs> of the what, thing.
1: What was like the atomic weight? <laughs> if you, would it like a uh, uranium? Yeah, unobtainium. <laughs> yeah. Some sort. Of, would it? Did it have his? Uh, like, did it create gravitational wells? <laughs> It did in my bowels, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh, <laughs> it was a heavy load. Um, ooh, right now, enough of cake talk, Matt, because we've got serious business to talk mm-hmm. about. I want to talk about uh, your your latest research. Last time we we talked, we spoke, we were talking about Atlantis and uh, your sort of bathymetry resources. The bathymetry is that uh, underground under. The ocean mapping, mapping of the sea floor in it, and you were finding some weird shit around the Azores and linking it to Atlantis. What have you been looking at in the in the meantime since last year?
3: Well, I think when we last talked, I spoke about a, um, a geometric link between the rickash structure, um, what I'm calling Atlantis in the Azores and Avebury, and and a number of other sites. And now I'd like to attempt to explain why these locations are where they are and how they could have actually accurately, very accurately mapped those places and then went further on later in in time to map the rest of the world. Um, I think probably a good place to start would just be to use a more up-to-date example of how ancient people were able to do similar things in the past. So um, if we look at ancient Greece, for example, um, really starting in the Archaic period, so shortly after the dark ages came to an end in ancient greece there was a sort of resurgence in in science and philosophy and astronomy and mathematics and over a very short period of time about 400 years the ancient greeks um, they managed to um, establish a very accurate way of measuring the planet and trying to measure the distance to the moon and to the sun Um, There's this myth that people used to think the world was flat, but sort of 300 years before the time of Christ, people had already um, accurately measured the size of the world and come to the conclusion that the sun was at the center of the solar system. Um, So the the ancient Greeks, they didn't have um, advanced electronics. They didn't have any um, telescopes. They only had things called gnomons and sundials. So a gnomon is basically just a stick, a vertical stick you put in the earth And from that, you can measure the length of shadows and you can measure a whole bunch of different features about the solar system and the Earth. With a stick? With a stick, yeah. That's
4: all you need. How big is the stick? Does
2: it matter? All that money they spent on telescopes, (laughs) space telescopes, and particle accelerators, and all you need is a big stick.
3: Well, the bigger the stick, um, the more accurate the measurement. So um, size does matter, I'm afraid.
1: All right, okay. Thankfully, my wife doesn't That's, say that. This is why I'm going to donate my body to medical science. Why? Because you're so tiny. <laughs> a tiny stick. Yeah. Right, so just with a stick, you can measure the solar system. This doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, but I'm, I'm rather smooth-brained.
3: Well, if, I'll um, see if I can share some slides. Oh, we'll, um, we'll try. Who knows what might happen when we do this? We'll we we might be restarting again if, we, uh, if this goes wrong.
1: <laughs> Go for it, Matt. Try try sharing your screen, and we'll see what happens. Right, just take any it. luck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just just leave it. Uh, well, just uh, let me try. I'll I'll try this. Uh, capture method Windows 10. Oh, oh look ooh. at this Pythagoras. I just need to uh, oh, an, enhance, rotate, magnify. Mm. Increased girth. Uh, where is it? Pythagoras of Samos. Is this the Pythagoras? That yes. was in the intro of my little intro video. He was a big fan of the triangles and shit, weren't he? Was?
3: Yeah. Um, basically, Pythagoras, um, he's famous for his theorem. Um, I've shown here graphically what Pythagoras' theorem is, where he came to the conclusion, apparently. We'll, we'll talk about where this really came from, but... He came to the conclusion that um, the hypotenuse, which is represented by C, the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the square of the other two sides. So you can see that represented here graphically. So if you've got a three, four, five triangle, the area of A and B, when squared, is equal to the area of C, the hypotenuse. Uh, This is really at the root of all um, ancient astronomy, really, because you can use this to calculate distances Um, latitudes and you can also use it um, for parallax for for also measuring distances to the moon for example um the thing with pythagoras is we all used to get told at school that pythagoras came up with this and we've come to the point now where i believe the 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 consensus with historians now is that Pythagoras did not discover this. This was already known to the Babylonians thousands of years beforehand and also the ancient Egyptians uh, at a similar time. So uh, what uh, well because people don't really know about Pythagoras and a lot of a lot of um, historical accounts are contradicting each other. It's likely Pythagoras when he traveled to Egypt, when he came back to um came back to Greece he introduced this to the ancient Greeks after the Dark Ages. So the Greeks probably knew this as well before the Dark Ages, but he just reintroduced it once more. And um, if you look into the work of people like Howard Crowhurst and, and the, the Heath brothers, they've got evidence to suggest that this knowledge was known even before the Egyptians and um, before the Babylonians, really at the start of the Neolithic because of the way certain monuments are aligned in places like Britain and northern France. Right. So... Um,
1: Carnac uh, is the one in France, isn't it? The famous site.
3: Carnac's probably the most famous, but there's a number of other sites. It's, it's. No. I, I really want to go to um, the the Breton region of of France because uh, Breton, they're they're basically, uh, well, their ancestors are the same ancestors of the Cornish and the Welsh. So. Mm. The the people that built the, the monuments in in Breton were basically the same people that built. Um, the, the, I should say the pre Celtic ancestors of the Welsh and the Cornish. Ah, I was going to say it, it, Celtic,
1: it, but no, so, before, before that,
3: yeah, pre Celtic. Yeah, but wow. um, everything in in sort of the old world that's pre Celtic is um, they have similar roots. It wasn't until the Abrahamic religions came along that everything started to change somewhat, but. Um, I think really Pythagoras is where things started in ancient Greece for the, the, the advent of astronomy. So right. when Pythagoras was around, it was um, during the Archaic period. So like I said, they, they were really building upon the sort of arts and, and culture and philosophy. And Pythagoras was really pioneering the sciences once more. Um, I mean, some of it is probably an
1: accident of history, isn't it? We we credit all these ancient Greeks with discovering certain things, but it's it's more a case of well, the Greeks influenced the Romans, and then the Romans took over the known world.
3: I believe so. Yeah, I I, I think when um, modern religions were introduced to um, Europe, I, I think a lot of the intention of that was to erase our, our ancient past. Yeah. Um, I, I I think obviously, if if you look at ancient um, Ancient stories about where we came from—they always talk of a, a golden age. So I think that's really of a, a time of hunter-gatherers before, you know, b- before civilizations existed. So people were likely—they had a lot more liberty. Obviously, there were a lot more dangers. Um, you, you know, there's going to be death in childbirth and infant mortality. But if you made it to adulthood, the freedom that you had was something that we haven't seen for at least five thousand years. You know, you, we're, we're part of something now, whether you like it or not and you you have to obey the rules and you didn't have to five thousand, six thousand years ago.
0: Hmm.
3: Okay. Uh, but before I go on too much of a tangent we'll we'll move on. Um hmm. so you have uh, Parmenides of Elea, I think is how you pronounce it. So he was probably a couple of decades younger than Pythagoras, but we know even less about Parmenides than we do of Pythagoras. And He's famous or, or credited with observing that, or deducing deducing rather, that the world was spherical. So the idea mm. of a spherical world to the to the Greeks was known at least 500 BC, but we don't know really how far it goes back. I suspect it goes back much further.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're really going on broken records. So much of ancient Greek history has been lost. lost yes,
1: we, would, so, we just looked out by some of the... Uh, sort of dark age monks and abbots copying you know the odd bit of Plato or the odd bit of Diogenes whatever in fact I don't think there is any Diogenes in Extant maybe there is but yeah it wasn't you know most of that stuff was lost weren't it 99% of of ancient Greek writings never to be found again
3: (laughs) It's really unfortunate because what we have found is, has been so um, impressive. You know, every time we find something or decode things, you know, often historians are like, wow, they were far more advanced than we first gave them credit for. Um, if, if you look at um, people, um, who was it that invented the um, Antikythera mechanism? That was um, the one who shouted out Eureka. I can't remember his name. Archimedes. Archimedes. Archimedes that's the one yeah he he um he was building advanced um, geared mechanisms and people said that was impossible there's still there's still a handful mm. of historians that claim it wasn't true um but the consensus is now that uh, you know Archimedes was the first person to pioneer these these sort of geared mechanisms and invent all these things like uphill pumps you know the archimedes screw pump yeah um, so all this lost information is is just is it, we're just scraping the surface of what was known to the ancient Greeks Cool. so i can't say anything more useful about parmenides like i said not much is known about him but he, he his is the first record of the greeks acknowledging the spherical earth All right Ooh. so now we come to Timocaris. so this is nearly 200 years later um Temocoris was a philosopher and astronomer and he worked he famously worked with a dedicated ast- astronomer. So this other astronomer had no background in philosophy. He was just he only worked on astronomy. So this other guy was called Harry Stylus, not to be confused with Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. um, but they were the first to create a a dedicated star catalog. So they they started to catalog the stars as a full time occupation, so that future people could use them for uh, you know further education and use them for reference later in the future. So if we look at another guy called Aristarchus of Samos, um, again, he's famous for a number of things, but he, as far as the astronomy is concerned, he's most famous for the heliocentric model of the solar system. So he established that the sun was at the center of the solar system and that the planets rotated about the sun.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because obviously, you know, There's another famous guy who who, was uh, ostracised because of that. But um, where's that? Do you know where that information comes from?
3: Well, like I said, we a lot of these um, facts were were passed down to us through historians in sort of um, snippets of information. So a lot of the original work is lost. Mm. But we we know that people had deduced this from observations. Yeah, Um, I think some of these. uh, you know, if if you start to understand Euclidean geometry, so Euclidean geometry was was sort of invented around this kind of time. Right. Um, you would understand from tracking the movements of certain bodies, uh, you, you'd only be able to come to the conclusion that they were moving around the sun just by charting their progress over a number of years.
4: Right. With a stick. Well,
3: yeah. With a stick, yeah. Oh, with a stick. <laughs>
4: Yeah, don't forget to stick. So
3: er- Eratosthenes, he's probably my favorite. Um, he's the original Beta male. <laughs> um, he he got the derogatory nickname of Beta because, uh, well, Eratosthenes, he was made the head of the Library of Alexandria by the, by the Ptolemy of the time. Wow. And um, mm-hmm. he was into everything. A- a- any kind of academic subject, he was into it. And he was always known as the second best person in the world at that subject <laughs> and he was given and he was given the derogatory term beta and i i would be proud to be called beta in that context to be the second best person in the world at every discipline that's that's some achievement yeah. especially especially for a librarian <laughs> he was didn't burn it down did he <laughs> <laughs> they called him names one too many times and uh, yeah. no that's not that's not what happened oh good
1: well, there's yeah. a lot. We've got a lot of numbers on this one. This okay,
3: is... so er, Eratosthenes, uh, among a lot of other things, he was famous for measuring the size of the planet. He measured the, the circumference of the entire world. Wow! And he did that by um waiting for the the sun to um reach culmination above a well at Aswan. So what I mean by culmination is culmination is when the sun is at, is at its highest in the day, which is high noon. Mm. Yep. And that's always perfectly due south. Well, where Aswan is, back in 200 BC, uh, the Tropic of Cancer was further north because the obliquity of the Earth changes over 41,000 years. Mm. And about 10 kilometers south of Aswan is where the Tropic of Cancer was. So um, Eratosthenes, He waited until the summer solstice when the sun was directly above the well at Aswan. And because there's no shadow when the sun is in that position during the summer solstice, all he had to do was measure the angle um, of a vertical pole placed at Alexandria. That angle gives you the angular arc distance between Alexandria and Aswan. you simply multiply multiply the distance between those two cities um, by the number of times it goes around the globe, and you've you've got the size of the earth and he got it within about 200 kilometers of our modern measurement of the earth. Wow. So about 200 years before the time of Christ, um, academics knew pretty much exactly how big the world was. Um, th- there was a critical piece of information that he needed, and he needed the actual ground distance between Aswan and alexandria mm-hmm. and he employed professional bematists <laughs> to measure the distance between these two cities and a bematist that was a full-time career for the ancient egyptians and the ancient greeks where they were professional paces they could measure in <laughs> paces the distance <laughs> wow. between cities and the, the modern the modern academic consensus is that the accuracy was within about half a percent of what we can do today via satellite <laughs> so that it's very impressive um it it really is you know a full-time profession not any not everybody could do that job i'm I'm sure um a lot of training goes into it you think you're just walking but you have to count paces Mm -hmm. and mark them down and keep a record of this and you add them up when you get to the other end and Uh, how a straight
1: line yeah straight line yeah perfectly straight line and how do you take account of like lumps and bumps and hills and valleys and I wouldn't like to be the apprentice on that job either.
3: So I I suspect um, they they might have to employ some of Pythagoras's work to whenever they came to any sort of hills or or um, mm. or, or, or inclines, they may well have had to compensate by using some of Pythagoras' theorem to to actually um, iron out the bumps, as it were. Wow. um so we know that was established and we we know i'm just guessing how they did it but we we know the accuracy is within about half a percent of what we can measure today wow cool um and i think the last person i'm going to talk about with the ancient greeks is hipparchus so hipparchus is famous again for a number of different achievements um he invented Trigonometry, so that that's a step step forward of um, step forward from Pythagoras' theorem. So trigonometry is is how a, tri- a right angle triangle relates to a a circle. So not only did he invent trigonometry, he invented spherical trigonometry. So he could actually make calculations and and distance calculations across different parts of of the world and taking into account the curvature. So. This is before calculus I, I don't think there's records of how he did this um but he's he's also credited for discovering the um the procession of the equinoxes to a high level of accuracy so people had already worked out there was a procession of the equinoxes but he he looked at the work of timocris and Aristylus. because their records were a couple of hundred years before him he figured out that the, the stars had moved by two degrees since those records were taken. Jeez. And so he um he was famous for for making that connection, but not only that he referred he also referred to Babylonian astronomical knowledge. So he had records going back hundreds of years to other civilizations that he used for his observations. Right. Wow. So uh, the point of what I've just gone through with the last six slides is that we've established that within 400 years um a civilization or or a culture that doesn't have access to the sort of technology that we do, they can come to some pretty um, Mm. accurate conclusions about the size of the world and our place in the solar system. And um, Hipparchus did actually calculate the distance to the moon. And he said it was about 425,000 kilometers and and it's actually about 385,000. So he was wrong, but he was very close.
2: What an idiot.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He's a bigger stick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> more sticks <Yeah>. more sticks all
1: <laughs> right excellent yeah so, so it sort of it makes you think like you know humans have been around for a few hundred thousand years for uh, a relatively i, I will not say uh, for a civilization to come up with all that shit in four centuries you wonder if this has been done before ooh, yeah uh, that's the yeah thing. I, yeah
3: I, I do think there is a passing on of knowledge. We we know that most of these people, well, some of them lived in Egypt, even though they were the, they were Greek because of the sort of Hellenic Empire. Yeah. Um, but even the ones that came before that, they spent time in Egypt learning things. So, but they were bringing knowledge back to Greece, and I think a lot of that was was lost knowledge that had been lost to them in the Dark Ages. Um. I think, basically, um something happened when when we started to take um agriculture seriously so after the ice age ended we took we took agriculture seriously because there there were no longer any serious threats to our species that they'd all been killed out during the ice age and that includes other humans we already had knowledge of cultivation we knew how to plant crops and seeds going back twenty three thousand years ago but we could never stay anywhere long enough to make agriculture a a serious endeavor. And once once we undertook agriculture, something called sedentism took place where people had to stay in one place for long spans of time to maintain their crops. Yeah. But during the ice age, um, our species was much more migratory. And I believe we needed some of this knowledge to migrate. And once sedentism took over, I think it was it became lost knowledge, it was no longer important. And a res- there was a resurgence in this kind of information when civilization took off, because um, f- for bureaucratic reasons, for reasons of um, land surveying, for reasons of conquest, it became it then became important again to learn to how to navigate. Rhyme. Rhyme. <clears throat> um, okay, so if, if we go on to the sites, I've probably discussed most of these in the previous podcast. Um, a number of people over the last 100 years or so have noted that there are a, a bunch of very important sites on intervals of sevenths of latitude from the equator. So I'd say Avebury is probably the most important because it's the biggest stone circle in the world, and it's the most accurately placed. The, it's placed exactly on the four-sevenths line of latitude.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so Avebury is the biggest. Almendris Cromlech is a similar site to Avebury. It's, it's like the Portuguese version of Avebury, and it's the biggest group of standing stones in the whole Iberian Peninsula. I, I know there's bigger site, there's bigger megalithic sites, but I don't think there's a, a site that's as big that has so many um, standing stones on, on one circle, as it were.
1: Wow.
3: So again, that's the biggest in, in um, that part of the world. Avebury is the biggest in the world. Hmm. Karnak in Egypt um, is the biggest temple complex in ancient Egypt. Um, I don't think Delphi is noted for being the biggest of anything, but it was home to the Omphalos Stone, which represented the center of the world to the ancient Greeks.
1: I mean, it's fair to you could call it the most important sacred site for ancient Greece, arguably, couldn't you?
3: I think there's a number of reasons to suggest that, especially with the oracle uh, yeah, and. Yeah. What looks to be, I mean, there looks to be things at Delphi that are older than the than they first appear. This cyclopean architecture at Delphi. Um, I don't think that can be very accurately dated. Um, often yeah. temples are built upon the the sites of older temples at Delphi.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But but yeah. I think I, the most. Imp- sorry, I
3: was just going to ask.
1: Um, I wonder where. Um, oh my gosh, uh, Baalbek is on this on this map. If there's any. Uh... Balbeck um
3: Balbeck is probably in between the two seventh and three line of latitude right that's not to say it's not important um I've not really spent a, a great deal of time looking into that mm. at the moment I've just been focusing on the sites at seventh yeah
0: of no, and, just... and, and,
3: and a few other ones that line up via great circles mm. um but I think the other important thing to note about Delphi is that Delphi sits on the slopes of Mount Parnassus, and that's where uh, Deucalion's Ark washed up when when the flood um, receded, when mm-hmm. the great flood receded. So there's obviously flood mythology correlated with Delphi. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I've located a site which I'm saying could be Atlantis or the island of the egg, which is that's very very closely related to the three sevenths latitude. The north side of it is at a tangent to the actual latitude. Wow. Um, I think, obviously, I'm the first person to note the Atlantis when all of the other ones have been noted by other researchers over the last 100 years. So Avebury, Amadris, cromlech Delphi, Karnak, th- those are all well known to be on intervals of sevenths. Um, during my own observations, I've noted Bimini as being on the two-sevenths line of latitude. Uh, one of your viewers um, left a comment. Saying that there was a stone circle in miami well that's that's the only um sort of monument built into the bedrock of the entire east coast of the United States. that's on the two seventh latitude nice. wow, you've got Cahokia mound that's um something like nine point something kilometers away from the three seventh latitude, which is one one hundred and forty fourth of the distance between the next line of latitude so um, if you remember, I talked about Howard Crowhurst before. He he established that the Silbury Hill is one thousandth of the distance between two of the lines of latitude, almost like it's telling us how big the world is in, is, in a small encoded monument.
1: That is mental. I mean, we went there not long ago, and it's yeah. literally around the corner, this massive hill, Silbury Hill. It's literally yeah. around the corner from uh, Avebury. We just happened on it by accident. We did, yeah. Look at that yeah, big hill.
3: Good. Yeah,
1: so that was like a like a first marker, if you like, or a guidepost for future I think, people.
3: I think so. I think I think a monument has been built that if any any future civilization that needs to, if they know, the, you know, some basic knowledge, whatever unit of, of of measurement that they've come up with in the future, they can just multiply that by twenty eight thousand, and it's like they a, basically it's a time capsule.
1: Mm-hmm. Here is, is this yeah. giant fucking stone circle, the biggest you will ever see, and a certain distance away is a ginormous hill, which is obviously man-made. Mm. Have a think about this, chaps. It might be useful information.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with the dates of when Avebury was built, but I think there was something there before, a long yep. time before. Um, So Cahokia, I think, the, Cahok- the Monk's Mound in particular, at Cahokia, so that's the biggest mound I think in the Americas, um, that one is one, one hundred and forty-fourth between the three-seventh and four-seventh line of latitude. So I think Monk's Mound might be playing a very similar role yeah. to Silbury Hill. Wow! And then there's something in Kentucky, um, which I think could be the biggest mound in the ancient world, if it is what I think it is. So it looks like a modified ridge, maybe a glacial ridge, and that looks like it's been um, part of the ridge has been cut out to form a, gigant, uh, form a gigantic mound, which is about a kilometre in diameter. And that's also on the 37th line of latitude. Wow. So these are the sites that I've mostly been focusing on. Cool. Um I've obviously shown you guys this before. <laughs> um And basically, um Avebury and the Rickat structure are the same distance apart as the diameter of the moon but, <laughs> but it, it, it's out it's out by 10 kilometers so the moon is three <laughs> thousand four hundred seventy-four. but it's, it's pretty accurate as far as i'm concerned um, the location i found in the azores is um, equidistant from avery and the Rikat structure at a distance of 23 and a quarter degrees of arc
2: but if you flip the triangle where does that place atlantis <laughs>
3: What do you mean, flip the track? Oh, um, it puts it on the North African coast. Is there any... Carthage? Well,
1: no, it's not Carthage. It's further west. I don't know. New Who here. knows? Who knows?
3: Uh, I've not found anything there, but there's there's a lot of desert there. Um, mm-hmm. Could be an old Phoenician city there, settlement, maybe. Who knows? I, sus- I suspect there was a lot going on on the coast of North Africa absolutely. when it was a bit more fertile.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is fucking um, mind-blowing. <laughs> the moon thing what just mm. blows my mind. It can't be a coincidence, man. 10 kilometers? It's weird, isn't it?
3: Anyway. Yeah, it's, anyway. It's, it's really close. And the distance between my Atlantis site and Afebree and the ricat they're, they're basically the same, plus or minus, about 10 kilometers or so. It's very, very close.
2: Doesn't the Earth like um, bulge as well? There's changes. Mm? So, like, the central distance between the poles changes over. Certain amount of years it does, that ten kilometers? it uh, could easily easily change with a with an, a little bit of bulge.
3: But they might not have known about the bulge. I'm not sure they had the technology to to <laughs> figure that out until a bit later on, because I I believe these sites were placed around about twenty thousand years ago. <sighs> so that might have been a little bit out of their league at that point, and they might have had to have jumped to the conclusion that the world was a perfect sphere that's probably the only shape they could have worked with Uh, i've had lots of people comment on my previous theory so i've I've basically said that i think this is a giant observatory so you you can take simultaneous measurements of the skies at these three places and you can chart the heavens and the movements of the moon and measure measure parallax distances to the moon measure parallax distances to the sun and it's a useful observation tool for looking at the skies. Um, I think the RICAT was the first place to be inhabited. And yeah. I think people had made some very important observations while they're there. I, I won't go into that right now. I might talk about that in the timeline if we've got time tonight. Okay. But the RICAT structure, the really important thing about it in terms of the placement in this observatory is that it lies to the south of the Tropic of Cancer. If you remember, I spoke about Eratosthenes earlier. I'll go back to his, um, his slide. I was saying about how the sun was directly above the well at Aswan during the summer solstice.
0: Mm.
3: Well, a- anywhere between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Cap- Capricorn, there'll be at least one day, but probably two days a year, where the sun will be directly over that point where there'll be no shadow. So I think it's about 60, uh, at today's tilt, so the the Earth's angle of tilt today is 23.44 degrees. And 67 days before the summer solstice and 67 days after the summer solstice, the sun, at culmination, will be directly above the Rickat structure, so there will be no shadow. Okay. And what that means is you can measure people in the ancient world using sticks, like Eratosthenes did, can measure the distance between the Rickat structure and Avebury and measure the distance between the Rickat structure and Atlantis. So, again, I, I think there might have been some Bematists or surveyors employed to measure the east west distance between the Rickat structure and Avebury. 20,000 years ago, that was completely possible because there was um, where Britain lies now, that was all connected by land right. to yeah. Europe. Yeah. And the gap between North Africa and Spain is separated by the Straits of Gibraltar, which you can see by eye to the other side. So if you if you lit a beacon fire on the other side, you could get a very, very accurate east-west distance measured there. So you could, by land surveying, you could establish the east-west distance between the Rickat Structure and Avebury. and. Just by using sticks you could and, and shadows at certain times of the year, you can establish the difference in latitude as well.
1: Right, so this is
3: important for navigation then, isn't it? It's important for navigation and for building a, a parallax observatory because right. if you're measuring parallax, so you need to take simultaneous measurements from two separate observatories that are some distance apart. They need to be a, a big distance apart for it to work. Right. Uh, you need to know the exact distance. And then you can draw a triangle using Pythagoras's method to work out the distance to the moon, for example. So the angle between the Ricca and the moon, and the angle between Avery and the moon, can can tell you how far away that place is, for example. God, mm. right. So if if we if we employ the exact same method that Eratosthenes used, um, we can we can find out how far away. The rickout structure is from Avebury, again, using the stick method. And I've just designed a device here in CAD. You, I can get this 3D printed. I plan to get this 3D printed, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be going to Avebury next May to make sure this works. All right. Um, nice. But this is called a equatorial sundial. So the Earth itself is a giant sundial. If, if you stuck a stick in the North Pole, and watch the sun, you have the perfect clock. It's the most accurate clock in the world because the time of day is determined by the motions of the Earth. (laughs) Right. Unfortunately, we're not at the North Pole. So what you have to do is you have to create a sundial that is at the same level plane as the equator. And obviously the equator is at a tilt. So the angle of the wedge that I've designed here 25. Corresponds. It, it corresponds to the latitude. Oh. So um, I've designed this one to work only at the latitude of Avebury. And we've, we've got a very, very accurate sundial. Mm. And basically 38 minutes after high noon, because we know the East or the ancient people would have known the East West distance between the Rickash structure and Avebury, 38 minutes late after high noon at Avebury, is when the sun would be directly above the rickhash structure. And what we get is a shadow. So I've used this calculator called Mm suncalc.org. And it tells you the angle um, to the sun from the ground, basically, or you you can work that out from a shadow length. So it says shadow length and I've I've used the tallest object you can put in there, so I've chosen a, a stick of 99 meters tall just to get the most accurate information. It gives us a shadow length of 59.9 meters, which gives us this triangle. So if the ancient people had already established the size of the world by measuring the distance between Avebury and the next line of latitude, so that's what we talked about in the last podcast. With our modern units, we get 40,007 kilometers. 0.863 so a little bit more so that shadow of 59.9 meters on the floor and that that stick of 99 meters tall gives us an angle of 31.18 degrees so if we if we divide the circumference by 360 degrees and times it by 31.18 that's that um, stick um that stick gives us the answer of the Riccat structure is thirty-four thousand and sixty-five kilometers away. Well, in reality, it's thirty-four thousand and sixty-four. So, wow! Just <laughs> using a stick, we've established how far away a site is. Wow, that's amazing! And so now they they've got an accurate measurement to to figure out um, parallax measurements, and that's important for creating a, a longitude measurement device or or lookup table by using the moon. So. Right the moon's brilliant because it's really close to us and it moves at about 0.55 degrees through the sky an hour which is fast enough that if you can measure um its movement accurately which you could do with primitive tools probably to about a tenth of a degree you can establish your um you can establish your longitude across the ocean and that's without having to use a clock
1: mm-hmm. excellent so uh right so yeah, that was something Yeah, uh, that was
4: something that was on my mind. You know, because there's a lot made, isn't there? About um, there's that famous competition. I've forgotten the guy who made the made the really accurate clock that could be used on a boat with the the motion of the, the motion of the ocean. Um, and you know, uh, longitude being a real tough thing to crack, um, but it seems perhaps they should have just used a stick.
3: I mean, you you couldn't get away with just using a stick at sea because it's it's yeah. hard to know your relative position. But <laughs> I I think the guy who invented the chronometer was ripped off because he didn't win the million pound prize. He got a prize, but it wasn't the full prize. I yeah. think they 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 said something like, "We asked you to solve longitude, and all oh, this is a roundabout way of getting there, and right. it, it works, but it's not as good as we wanted." Kind of thing. <laughs> I thought, well, what oh, more? I, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you can't win.
1: Interestingly. Yeah. Um... Christopher Wren when he was in the Royal Society his main goal to he was interested he was trying to use the moon to solve longitude.
0: This
1: oh. so a side note. Right? Okay. Didn't manage. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he was on the right lines maybe. Yeah. Anyway.
3: Yeah, you, you, I, mean, I think I think there was a guy called Petrus Apianus in the 1400s and he said this is how we've been measuring longitude at ocean for quite some time. Wow. So there's some people will tell you we don't know our place in the ocean. You do. It's just not quite as accurate. Right. Okay. you'd be within a few miles, maybe a few tens of miles, but it's good enough for most people. Right. Um. So, if I just go back to this for a minute, you know, it, the the wedge I was discussing. What's interesting is at the, at the latitude of Atlantis. If you placed the Great Pyramid on. Atlantis and stuck a a, a stick and gnomon through it. You could use the north face of the Great Pyramid as a uh, as a sundial. Mm. It happens to be that exact um, angle. Oh right, is, yeah, forty one point something degrees was it? Fifty one point eight four. So it's a, it's it's about point four of a degree out from what it needs to be, but point four of a degree is more than accurate enough to get a, an accurate reading on that kind of sundial. Even though it is uh, eight-sided, though, isn't it? It's eight-sided um, under very specific conditions during the uh, the uh, equinoxes, but it, for all intents and purposes, I, I'd call it a four-sided shape. Yeah,
4: okay. So mm-hmm. when when are you are shoving a stick in the
3: pyramid then, Matt? It's at the wrong latitude, so ah. there's no point. Oh, we'll just so move you, it. If, yeah. Yeah, we could. It might take a few decades. yeah uh.
2: He just take off and move around when he want.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Even watching too much Stargate.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Great show. Great movie.
3: Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's
1: not go down that we'll be there on that if we start talking about Stargate.
3: I say that's that's probably the first interesting thing. So if you if you place that great pyramid at the Atlantis latitude, that would form a, a perfect sundial for that that particular place in the world.
1: Yeah, coincidence. Um mm.
3: you had um it could be, but I don't think it is. <laughs> Um you had Greg Little on not not too long ago. Yeah. Um I, I don't know if you've discussed with him at all his um Atlantis theories in Cuba. No, we didn't
1: get there. And uh yeah, we didn't get to that. Uh I've seen I, that. I reckon I, you you gotta get him back. He's he's well, we were lucky to get him. He's he's looking to do less of this sort of thing because he's done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of radio on podcasts and stuff so we i will try
3: andrew collins would be good because i i I don't know who who's attributing this this discovery but um i know andrew collins and greg little work together closely on a lot of these things and i I think they sort of both declared together that they think they found atlantis and cuba okay and it's interesting because when i was on twitter um, greg sent me some information information about that site I found it very interesting because I'd already established um, a potential link between this ancient meteor crater serving a similar role to the Rickat structure in Canada and Mm. that gigantic mound in Kentucky. And when I added in Greg and uh, Andrew's um, site in in Cuba, it formed another one of these observatories.
2: No way. Again,
3: exceptionally high level of accuracy.
1: Is that the underground sunken... Thing that Colin, uh, Greg, and Andrew are citing, or is it something else? Oh,
3: it's, it's this. This. Oh Ooh. shit! This. Okay. So that they're claiming that this it could be Atlantis, and obviously getting into Cuba. I think especially for Greg Little because he's from America mm. might be a bit more difficult. Especially this is out in the middle of nowhere. Really, mm. um, it's just like mangroves, and it's similar to the Everglades to the north, I believe. Right. Um, there's not a lot going on there. And if you were an American tourist out in the middle of nowhere in Cuba, I'd imagine it it might look a bit suspicious. Um, One of the reasons they're saying this could be Atlantis is because there's an abundance of straight canals all over this area. Um, I believe Dr. Little said these were used um, by the Taino people. So the Tainos were the Native Americans who inhabited the Bahamas and Cuba. But there's there's loads of these canals all over the place, um, and uh, Doctor Little believes they're 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 old because of the claims made by the Taíno. Okay, cool. Um, but the reason I think it's important is because if if you note that yellow line there, that's the Tropic of Cancer at its lowest latitude. So the Tropic of Cancer moves as the tilt of the Earth changes over forty-one thousand years and the Tropic of Cancer is at its lowest is 22.1 degrees. Well, that 22.1 degrees happens to coincide with their claimed site for Atlantis. And that's important because you remember that the sun has to be within the tropics to be able to use this place as an observatory. Yeah. Again, another coincidence. Mm, strange. Okay, I think this is all things that can be achieved by people with Stone Age technology. So I don't think there's any you know, advanced spaceships or airships or anything. And and the reason I don't think aliens are involved is because they had to place these um, sites in ways that they could measure distances with sticks. Because if you had a spaceship, you could place anything you wanted wherever you wanted. So hmm. I believe this is all Stone Age technology. <laughs> um but if if we want to look in, if we've got time, we can very briefly go over the timeline, if you want, of what I think has happened over the last 42,000 years. That sounds great, yeah. So we've got some mm.
1: bones, some resizing here.
3: Homo sapiens, that's us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's man. us. The smart ones, apparently. <laughs> um, Basically, our, our species came on to the scene, as it were, about 350,000 years ago. And in that time, we were just one of 12 other species that used to occupy the planet. And it looks like that's probably going to increase as more finds are made, uh, particularly in Africa. I, I think there were a lot of different humans or homo species around at the same time that we were. Wow, so all um, these
1: all these 12 were a, a, around at the same time. That must, yep, be must, that must yeah. have been mad. That must have been mad, wasn't
4: it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Weird and shagging, oh
1: they're definitely so, well, they
3: probably unshagging. were, yeah, I'm
1: mm-hmm. guessing that they were sort of in different places though or i guess we don't really have an accurate well, Deniz- a accurate it well the, is
4: it not Denisovian and at least Neanderthal's DNA in our DNA,
1: yeah, in some people, yeah,
4: yeah,
3: so I know that um I think most of these were in Africa at some point, um it might be that it might be that neanderthal. Evolved from a common ancestor but while outside of Africa, and same with Denisovan. Mm-hmm. This story is really complicated because um, when we first apparently encountered Neanderthal was when our ancestors left Africa between seventy and fifty thousand years ago. But the, the actual DNA evidence is showing us that hum, um, Homo sapien DNA was already present in Neanderthals at that point. So. Oh. There was probably uh, there were probably a number of out-of-Africa excursions that happened, and what people think happened now is that when subsequent ice ages happened, people were either had to retreat or were killed off. Mm. But some of that Homo sapien DNA was still left lingering in the Neanderthals. Top shaggers. Um,
1: Plus you've got this this bottleneck to deal with. You know, there was one point where, where humans were reduced to, I think, 3,000 mating couples or 3,000 individuals on the planet. That screws up everything when it comes to genetics. What was going on before that, you know? Oh, was wild. All those but, people that got wiped you,
3: out. I mean, Homo sapiens might have been a more diverse species uh, before the end of the Ice Age. Mm. And we've become somewhat narrowed down in our genetic um, sort yeah. of diversity. Um, there's only three species here that are comparable to each other in intellect in terms of you know, who could have mapped the world and done these kinds of things and that's us homo sapiens neanderthals and denisovans um i did read a paper where somebody was tracking the movements of one group of neanderthals from france to britain this was obviously when the sea level was lower and throughout other parts of Europe, and they were going on a circular route, which meant that Neanderthals, because they weren't going back and forth, they must have had advanced navigational skills. So Neanderthals likely, at a minimum, could measure latitude. Maybe they had no more than that. Um, I think the consensus is that Homo sapiens, Neanderthals, and Denisovans often traded knowledge as well as other things.
1: Mm. I mean, this brings into question things like language, record-keeping... Mm-hmm. all sorts of things that we wouldn't generally credit with, with Neanderthals or Denisovans.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the main the main difference between Neanderthals, Denisovans and Homo sapiens is that Homo, homo sapiens, we likely survived because we had larger group sizes. So we, we had groups of, I think, anywhere between 30 and a couple of hundred people and Neanderthals were much smaller family groups. So during times of adversity, they were less likely to be able to survive.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Mm. I don't know how that was.
3: I think Dennis Ovens are the ones that interest me the most. We we don't know much about them. I think we've got a few teeth and thumbs and toes, mm. but we don't have any more. But we do have some of the artifacts they made, and I believe they were the first of of the, of, of, of the three species to use sort of drilling technology to make jewellery and things like that. So they were using bow drills quite likely to make ornate objects, so they they might have been the most technologically advanced of the three.
1: Yeah, going back to Andrew Collins, he's got some interesting ideas about the Denisovans. I've got a book that I haven't, I haven't read yet, but yeah, they seem to have been making pretty complicated jewelry and stuff, and drilling drilling tiny, tiny like pebbles and polished stones and whatnot.
3: Thousands. So I mean,
1: they found hundreds of thousands of these these made, like. Um, what do you call them, like on a necklace? Beads, Beads yeah.
3: Right, yeah. I don't really know much about Denisovans, really. I mean, if, if they were the most technologically advanced species of the time, it could have been that we got some of our knowledge from them, potentially. Absolutely. Mm. So some of this problem-solving might not have been so um, native to our way of thinking. It could be potentially, obviously I'm, I'm speculating here, but it could be that possibly the Denis, uh, Denisovan peoples would have been a... a a peoples that we could have learned from.
1: Could be the Atlanteans,
3: Matt. Well, who knows? We'll never, we'll never know. I think at this point, but uh, it's worth trying to find out. Mm. Um, so, I, what I want to bring you to is the Le Champs geomagnetic excursion. So, Ooh. this was a, a serious catastrophe that happened forty-two thousand years ago. There was mm. a partial, partial reversal in the in the poles it wasn't a full reversal i think the north pole was below the equator at one point for a little while um you would have seen auroras um everywhere in the world even the equator um, at its lowest our magnetic field strength was five percent of what it is today so you couldn't go outside without right. serious protection and you were mm. You know, I'd imagine after a few weeks or months or a couple of years, you're going to start getting cataracts and skin cancers and all kinds of uh, right. things. It,
1: that, this because the, the magnetic field is like a, a shield for mm. radiation, is it, from the sun, UV.
3: Uh, yeah, it shields us from uh, UV and, and other radiation as well. It's like when um, they were talking
1: in Australia about the hole in, hole in the ozone layer. Do you remember on Blue Peter 30 years ago? Yeah. Similar deal but everywhere on the planet. <laughs> the sun is a deadly laser. Mm. Don't make me play it. <laughs> yeah, we'll to find it now. So
3: basically, people... The, the, the term caveman is, is a bit... Um, we talk about our ancient ancestors being cave people. Well, that that was a necessity that happened 42,000 years ago. Before that, people people didn't live in caves before that. You wouldn't want to live in caves. They're damp. They've got mould. Mm. Other creatures try and take shelter in caves. Um, you get poisonous insects in caves. So moving into a cave became a necessity. People probably likely went out to hunt during dusk and dawn, which presents its own hazards. It seems that this time was when the Neanderthals got wiped out. So I think there was competition for caves. We had bigger group sizes, and the Neanderthals either couldn't compete, or maybe there were less of them, and they just got absorbed into our species.
1: Your name's not down, you're not
3: coming in. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, survival of the fittest. My my opinion is that our ancestors cooperated when they could, and when things were tough, I'm sure they would turn on each other.
1: Yeah, definitely. Wow, 42,000 years ago, the Le Champ event.
4: I mean, yeah, that's something that makes total sense.
1: That you, yeah. you kind of uh, link it all together. I, like love, that. I love the way you said... Like our ancestors weren't cavemen. Mm. It, it was a it was a necessity of yeah. survival. Yeah. We, we became cavemen.
4: How long did that go on for? Then this uh, the the, ex- the excursion of
3: the uh, of the pole. It was about thirteen hundred years. Oh wow! Oh, <laughs> it's <shit. laughs> it a long oh. time.
0: Fuck that! Oh, just oh,
4: kill God. me. Uh, would you just that, jump off a that, cliff? Is that to do with the
1: core? Something to do with the core. That film. probably oh, yeah. Well, yeah what it, triggered it what, what why did the le champ event happen do we know
3: i don't think anyone really knows right. what's going on to be honest there's, <sighs> there's we make a lot of assumptions about the center of the earth mm. um, I've, I've got my own theories about um how there could be interactions from the sun for example um i mean you, you could you could talk about the core of the planet being a gigantic magnetic break and mm. if, if 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 there's a, a another interfering flux it could throw the system off balance so if there's some sort of solar output, something could disrupt the Earth. But it could be something more internal. Uh, it could be the movement of certain things within the core itself. Um, we we don't know, to be honest. I don't think anyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do have sort of timings of when it happens. It's supposed to be every sort of 12,000 years or so.
2: Could it be oh. human-induced climate
3: change? <laughs> Global climate warming change. That's the one. We'll get uh, Jennifer
1: Lopez if, on for
3: that one. If you if you pay me enough, it can be climate change. That's Excellent. fine.
1: <laughs> That's how climate science works, I believe. I believe
2: so. It's kind of
1: terrifying, isn't it? Domestication of wolves. Yeah.
4: I missed that one.
3: Well, this is something. I don't know if other people have correlated this or not, but these are just notes I've been taking. Mm. Um, there's... There's a thought that just suddenly, all of a sudden around the world, people suddenly started to do things. And before that, we were just a bunch of idiots. (laughs) And So you start to see cave paintings 42,000 years ago, the domestication of wolves, musical instruments being made by Homo sapiens, and the earliest evidence of what historians are calling advanced deep-sea fishing technology. Mm. So that's probably using canoes without riggers and sails to fish for tuna. Uh, all of the evidence for this is is found in caves funnily enough so yeah. mm. i don't think we suddenly started doing any of this stuff 42,000 years ago i think we've been doing all of this for a long time it just so happens that the caves have preserved this information
1: mm.
3: now why what would be what's the correlation or the
1: the causation for domestication of wolves is that they were they were sort of brought in as guards for the cave entrance you needed some to fetch your slippers.
3: Hmm. Well, I, I I, don't know. It, that could be the case. That's a viable thing to look at. But I think we've been domesticating wolves for longer. We've just not found evidence outside of caves.
1: Ah, right. So all the, these four examples, the evidence yeah. comes from caves. That's the key thing, because we had yeah. to move into caves, otherwise we get fried.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. We wouldn't have taken mm. wolves in with us unless we'd done that domestication prior to the, the yeah. event.
1: Mm. And I'm guessing deep-sea fishing, because... I mean, I'm guessing would would most sort of mammals be affected in the same way as us? Like general prey animals that we would have hunted?
3: Would yeah, they have died um, out? I don't think UV gets very far through the water. No. Um, mammals were probably also likely having to take shelter, but they other mammals had fur. Mm. I think some mammals have better eye protection than we do naturally. Right. Um, but also I think a lot of mammals were hunting at dusk and dawn anyway so they were probably taking shelter it might not have even like if certain big cats they just sleep during the, the heat of the day so lions and tigers for example they might not have even noticed the the excursion they were just sleeping at that time of the day anyway and they came out to hunt dusk and dawn
2: i was going to say was there any evidence that that we hunted nocturnal animals mm. so we did our hunting well, like you say, dusk and dawn, you can't do it at midnight, or went out fishing at night rather than, um, well, I suppose there wouldn't be anything out during the day because it'll be
3: fried. But yeah, you'd have to go at the latitude of East Timor, you'd have to go fishing at night during the excursion. But I, again, I think fishing was done before 42,000 years ago, deep sea fishing.
1: Mm. Has, anyone, um, has anyone figured out what sort of like the onset time frame was for Le Champs? Did it happen overnight? Was it like a gradual thing or what? Do we know?
3: I don't know the exact time scale. I'm, I, I'm guessing probably um, maybe decades or something. It probably happened very, very quickly. Wow. Okay. I
2: wonder um, if we had bigger eyes before we went into caves or oh, smaller eyes. I don't which way around it'd be because you'd be out at night more, wouldn't you? Smaller eyes, and
3: maybe. I mean, they, they're very well may have been. Um, adaptations that were favored during our sort of 1300 years in caves and that might even be resistance to certain molds for example because you get a lot of damp in caves Jeez,
2: have you guys seen the chronicles of riddick
4: (laughs) (laughs) to get our eyes polished Uh, well i've heard that thing about eye color and you know if you have brown eyes that's supposed to be a shading and the light of the eyes the more uh light it lights in is that right?
1: Oh, is that right? Sure. That's lighter your thing... eyes, the more light you, you let in. That's a theory that I've heard, whether it's true or not. Well, you um, think of, like, Scandinavians having more likely to have blue eyes, don't you, and Africans mm-hmm. more likely to have brown eyes. Yes.
3: But I've heard know. theories that um, basically it doesn't matter where you come from in the world, that if you see somebody with blue eyes, you find them more trustworthy, and there's, there's, there's studies to back this up. Wow. wow. That's strange. Blue-eyed strangers. Ooh. I think um, if you look at the if you look at the profile of U.S. presidents, the majority of them have had blue eyes and have not been bold. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a a, a massive correlation. Like you you don't get a bold president, and it's very rare that they have brown eyes.
2: So you're saying there's mm. a chance for me, Matt?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Could be a chance. Cool. Uh, yeah. Well. Wow. Oh. Another slide. Yeah. yeah. So just before the excursion, most of um, our ancestors died out during the subsequent sort of, um, we had uh, um, ongoing ice, ice ages every 100,000 years or so, and because of the lack of a migratory nature, so the other other species of humans weren't so willing to migrate as Neanderthals, Denisovans, and humans, they all died out. Um, Neanderthals got wiped out by the Le Champs excursion, so it was just Denisovans and humans left. And Jeez. a few thousand years later, even the Denisovans died out or were possibly absorbed into the um, Homo sapiens.
2: <laughs> Tell you what, the Denisovans had some weird tiny skulls. Didn't it? <laughs> well,
1: was, it, was it not the Le Champ event where, as I said before, the, the numbers got down to 3,000 breeding pairs?
3: I can't remember. I think it might be, you know. Mm. I don't
1: know. Worth looking. Will that be homework for next week? I'm sure it was a certain event that, that wiped us out pretty much, whether it was this one or not. Oh, see, something in the back of me head is saying it is, but I would
3: so,
4: definitely
1: be wrong. Just on the previous slide, was that
4: always a tooth? Because I was seeing a skull.
3: <laughs> I think it was always a tooth. <laughs> yes, it was always a tooth. Oh, okay. yeah, right. There's next to nothing of
1: Dennis Orvins. Right, it's okay. just like a, an odd knuckle. And a tooth. An odd an odd. Moose knuckle. Moose knuckle. <laughs> <Are> they, <laughs> camel's torn a tooth. Have they
4: found any mosquitoes preserved in amber yet? They've been able to extract Tnosovin DNA from.
3: I'll have to ask John Hammond. Right, okay. <laughs> we'll get him on next week. Okay. I believe there's a German geneticist that has figured out how to get a viable DNA material out of really old teeth. So, okay. you could potentially close it, clone a clone a Denisovan person. I'll leave it in there. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen?
2: Right? Exactly,
4: yeah. <laughs> the Chinese are already doing it. Theme park. Homo Park. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it. We'll get an island.
1: Yes. Uh, island. Some people uh,
3: might get the wrong idea. Uh, island <laughs> New Homo Park.
1: Here's, here's the Denisovan expedition. We're going to feed them the goat now. Yes. <laughs>
4: sounds kinky (laughs) all right what's all this happening
3: here so obviously i left my homework late so i didn't do my all my slides in time so i've just created a a brief timeline of Mm -hmm. what i think happened um for my so-called atlantean timeline um i believe the Rickat structure is where things started it's a natural fortress um there was an event called the mausterian Paluvial that began 50,000 years ago and ended 30,000 years ago. So the North Africa, where the, where the Sahara Desert is, would have been um, populated by humans and other animals that you would typically find further south, um, mm-hmm. sub-Saharan Africa.
0: Right.
3: So there would have been plains and jungles and lots of water, lots of rivers, lots of rain. Um and the rickout structure would have been a very favourable place to live. It's, co- it's surrounded by vertical walls that would keep you safe from predators. It would be a natural place to herd animals. You could keep them within that environment. Um, I suspect, because of the favourable living conditions, the people that lived at the rickout structure um, they they likely had made observations over the years as they settled the place, as as the ancient Greeks did and other cultures and they probably made notes of the movements of the stars and when the Le Champs, um excursion happened they they probably were able to stay there there were probably caves within the local um vicinity okay but at some point when the mausterian Palluvial came to an end the region started to become a desert once more so they now had to find a way to leave so i'm i'm looking for an incentive why why do these people need to leave their perfect environment well it's turning back into the Sahara Desert. Um, the circular structure of the Rickat would help making um, observations of the skies in the same way that stone circles do. So you, you could note that the precession of the equinoxes, you, you'd say, well, that star, our ancestors said that star used to rise behind that rock, but now it rises behind that rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can start to make observations. Mm-hmm. Um, once it became Desertified, They had to find somewhere else to live. Um, I'm suggesting they, they didn't want to go back down to sub-Saharan Africa because they, they weren't able to find anywhere as favourable, um, naturally defensive or uh, um, a natural place to sort of corral um, livestock and cattle. They couldn't go further north because the Ice Age was really starting to kick in at this point in time. So they started to look towards the sea for islands to inhabit. We know at that point in time, like I said, 42,000 years ago, people were deep sea fishing. Uh, These people, you know, this is almost 20,000 or well, 16,000 years later, they were probably also capable of, uh, you know, at least coastal navigation. Um, Why not explore the oceans? The safest way to do that would be to explore one latitude as far as you can until you find something. Yeah and keep going, uh, you know, oh, I've, I've I've explored this latitude, no islands, we'll go further north, we'll, we'll go further out to the Atlantic and, and keep doing this over and over again. I think these people likely came across islands like Madeira, for example, and they were u- able to use these to, as stepping stones to go further out into the Atlantic until they eventually found um, the Azores Plateau, which is where I'm saying Atlantis was. All right. Um, when the last glacial maximum sort of came to a peak, you could walk between where Avebury is and the next line of latitude, so that would have been the first required set of measurements to be taken to actually measure the size of the world accurately. So I showed that in the in the previous podcast. That's right. If anyone wants to see this in detail, um, look up episodes eight, nine, and ten on my channel, and I go into this in great detail, where I demonstrate how you could you could measure the size of the world by walking in a true south line between Avebury and the next line of latitude. So that gives us a, a, a time frame for when all of this occurred, the placement of these um, of these observatories the distance between Avebury and Atlantis and the Rickat structure and Atlantis is 23 and a quarter degrees. I believe this was for astronomical observations. It's the same as the tilt of the Earth. So that gives us a more accurate date because that's when the Earth, about 20,000 years ago, was when the Earth was tilted at that particular um, angle. So I think... 20,000 years ago is about as accurate as I'm willing to go for the placement of of these three observatories. Um, I think probably by about 19,000 years ago, the sort of Atlantis Observatory is, well, I've noted in the previous podcast, there's a set of concentric circles that are five kilometres in diameter. It ties up to... Uh, Plato's diameter for Atlantis two of the canals seem to match Plato's description for the canals. so that observatory was likely um, a city almost like a small scale monument to the to the Rickat structure just it's just on a much smaller scale it was probably inhabited they're now on an island there's probably no megafauna there's probably no threats to them they've now got a few thousand years to sort of advance their knowledge how far that went I don't know um, they could have entered the Mesolithic and Neolithic before the rest of the world, possibly thousands of years before the rest of the world.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, obviously, things start to change 18,000 years ago. The world starts to warm slowly. It warms enough to cause a Heinrich event in 16,000 years ago. So effectively, lots of icebergs seem to be breaking away from glaciers in the North Atlantic and the water in the North Atlantic got diluted at the surface, which caused the um the weather patterns to change effectively. So that the ocean currents changed, the the Gulf Stream would have been watered down. And something happened. Now, so
1: that would have been bad news for the Azores, I guess, wouldn't
3: it? Because that's right on the Gulf Stream, isn't it? Could have been bad news for the Azores. I don't know. I think the I think the Gulf Stream we're still probably providing a lot of hot water to that, to that part of the world. It might have been wow. more of a problem further north. It might have broken the um the global conveyor. So you've heard of the Gulf Stream. The Gulf Stream is just part of the global conveyor. So this the Gulf Stream is part of a bigger global system that goes around the entire world, and it takes a thousand years to go from one end to the other. So weather events and things that happened a thousand years ago could be responsible for heat waves of today, for example. Really? Not my diesel van. <laughs> your your diesel van probably be affecting the world in a thousand years from now maybe. Wow. <laughs> no I um it, it's it's more complicated than you get told. We 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 oh, keep shit. getting told things happen things happen on the, the the year level or the decade level based on things we've done. That's not true. Um as far as I don't know how much you want me to talk about this because obviously I don't want your channel getting canceled. Um he uh, already I, has <laughs> yeah I'm not bothered about that
1: but just, just don't say Covid vaccine <laughs> you, you already
3: said it go on um, basically um, we, we keep getting told we're doing things that affect the global climate on a very short scale mm. um, don't think that's true I, I do think our species has had an effect on the water cycle and there might be changes in weather patterns because of that so i'll give you an example britain used to be a giant forest we've got rid of that forest um if you look at forests in the early morning they produce lots of humidity and moisture um and that that that, they can be seeds for weather systems and we've destroyed that in lots of parts of the world i don't think we're affecting the climate but i think we do have an effect on the weather system right yeah that makes sense um As far as the temperature today, it's as far as an interglacial is concerned. So we're now in something that's called an interglacial, where it's a brief warm period between ice ages. And these periods are very brief. The ice ages are dominant. And that's the geological consensus. As far as geologists are concerned, we're in what's called the quaternary. And that's that's classified by um, short interglacials followed by long ice ages. Well, this is the coldest interglacial for the last half a million years, but possibly for the last two and a half million years. So it's unprecedentedly cold for an interglacial. Right. Never been this cold for it, as far as our species has been concerned.
1: I think it's pretty long as well for an interglacial.
3: It is. It's. Um, I don't think it's the longest, but it could become the longest. So whatever happened during the Younger Dryas, yeah, probably it probably screwed things up and and if we're lucky it might it might hold off another ice age for a few tens of thousands of years so we we should be well on our way to an ice age now but the head of that the head of our interglacial got cut off so there there wasn't enough melted water to dilute the ocean currents. so we we never we never switched the next ice age back on that switch didn't kick off if we're really really lucky we might not see another ice age for a hundred thousand years um but we'd, we'd be really lucky to see that.
2: What well, well, want this would
3: we, be? <laughs> <laughs> we, we want this, what we've got now, to last for as long as possible, Um because yeah. ice ages are not favourable to our species, and especially at the latitude at which we live.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be under two miles of ice here.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first.
3: <laughs> yeah, cool. You might be all right in Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't want to live any further north (laughs) no ice wall yeah holy hell you're you're basically living on the ice wall so Mm. if i if i get off that tangent for a minute um the heinrich event might well have kicked off the next warming cycle but similarly it might have also been the event that actually caused the um bowling alorod it might have stopped it so when, during this warming cycle, 15,000 years ago, right on cue, the, the Earth started to warm very, very quickly, but it only lasted for a few hundred years this time. It's supposed to last for 5,000 years. And we entered the Bolling Allerod interstadial, where the world started to slowly cool back towards the Ice Age, and then that it got really cold during the Younger Dryas, and that's when it, we were back at Ice Age level temperatures. So that wasn't good. Um, Something happened again 11,600 years ago that it kicked the warming back off again and we started to rapidly warm once more. I don't think anyone really knows what's going on. Um, Some people are suggesting it's just because of the, um, the Milankovitch cycles, the tilt of the Earth, the eccentricity of the Earth, and the obliquity cycles are the predominant factors that determine when ice ages occur in our current geological configuration. So, it could be that that Heinrich event I was talking about earlier that could have stopped the the Earth warming up because do you remember I said changes to the ocean take a thousand years to go full circle? Well, it could have been it could have been that dilution that happened sixteen thousand years ago happened. The Earth Earth started to warm, and then that water had come back round and did something to the ocean currents a thousand years later. That's possible. Halted it, right? Um. Could be something else. Could be solar activity. Um, I'm reluctant to put a date on any of the things happening between 15,000 and 11,600 years ago because the picture is just too complicated for me to understand at the moment. There are people that are adamant that there was some sort of event between 12,800 and 11,600 years ago that was caused by extraterrestrial activity, so comet impacts. Yep. Mm. Um, I think that's possible, but I don't think it's a, a cause. I think it might be the effect of something else. A CME, Robert shocks the CME guys, and he mm. thinks that that's what started it. I think he's the closest because I think a, a CME could have caused other things because around about that time, there was also something called the Gothenburg excursion about 12,000 years ago. So that was another magnetic moment. That, Sounds
1: lovely. It <laughs> went all, all these
3: excursions. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It's just chaos, man. It's absolute chaos.
4: I know, yeah. It's terrifying, isn't it, it is. really?
3: If there was an outburst from the sun, hmm. which Robert Schock is suggesting, it also could have disrupted the, not so much asteroids, but it could have disrupted the orbit of comets because they have uh, icier in, um, yeah. makeup. Hmm. So that it could have disrupted um, comet orbits. So that might explain why there could be more impacts. There was more volcanic activity during that time. Um, I, I know that there, there, there were people that were talking about the paradox that there wasn't enough energy for the ice to melt off North America at the rate it did. But the, the, the thing about that, unfortunately, is if you look at how ocean levels have changed over the last half a million years, it, it melted as quickly as it ever did. So it it, it wasn't unprecedented. The, the level of melting you saw in North America corresponded to the end of previous ice ages over the last half a million years. Right. I think um, I think a lot of things were happening, and I think I, 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 if I had to put money on it, I'd say the sun was the was the root cause. Uh, Robert Shock's claiming he's found evidence for this. Um, I would suggest that the um, Gothenburg excursion again, the, the magnetic poles tried to flip. It wasn't as bad as the um, as the Le Champs, but that's evidence again. I think the the sun could have done something, and I think comet impacts could be evidence for a solar outburst as well. Well, if we've, um,
1: we've learned one thing tonight, it's that.
5: The sun is a deadly laser. You,
1: you found, found it. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt. I mean, we've we've blown well over time. Is um, <clears throat> I don't want to feel like you've not said something or told us something that you you wanted to. Is there any sort of um, final <laughs> <laughs> final?
3: Terrifying thoughts.
2: (laughs) Get in the cave.
3: (laughs) In terms of terrifying thoughts, um it could be that we're due for another excursion, we're starting to see the the poles move again Mm. at a very, very quick rate. Um uh, there are people suggesting um there are people suggesting that the um, these events happen every 12-ish thousand years. So the Gothenburg happened 12-ish thousand yep. years ago. So we're due for one now. I keep getting messages from people to watch someone called Suspicious Observers. Observers.
1: Yeah. I've,
3: not, I've not had a chance to watch him yet, but I keep getting messages. Watch this guy. So maybe he's someone you should get on the show if you want to learn about scary things like that. Yeah, yeah
1: he might be a bit big for us. I, can tr- I could try. Yeah.
3: But you had Nerd Rotic on, you know, you, know, you, okay. you yeah. can get the big yeah. guys on. He did have
1: Gary, yeah.
4: He was very nice
1: and kind, though, wasn't he? he yes. Yeah. Was. Maybe I'll try. I'll try Ben. I'll try and get Ben on. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wonderful. Do you want to, um, anything else you want to leave us with? Or do you want to stop sharing screen?
3: I'm trying to find the button. (laughs) 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 I found it. It's it's good. You can see my face.
1: And what's happened? It's the power gone out down there. The sun went down. Oh,
5: oh,
2: we can go
1: outside.
5: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we can go.
1: We can start
4: hunting now, can't we? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Deep Deep
4: sea fishing. Deep sea fishing. fishing, Yeah,
1: yeah. sounds (laughs) delightful.
4: I'm going to go home and watch when the wind blows now. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. I'm
1: going to try and domesticate some wolves somewhere. Well, uh, yeah, it's been great this, Matt. Thanks for coming again. Mm. i a... got
3: all three of you this time as well. I don't think Ben was here for my previous two. Um, no, he's like that. Uh, yeah, very flaky. Yeah.
1: Sporadic. Mm. Yeah. And, um, right, we, we should go. Okay. <laughs> do you not know think. <laughs> yeah. We're going yeah, to do so. So. We're gonna have to do part two. We're going to have to do part yeah. two. Great to meet you, Matt. Yeah, it was uh, that was fascinating. And, uh, Thanks for having me back. You mentioned some about coming to the, the Lake District.
3: What's all that about? I'll be going to the Lake District on holiday. So, oh, uh... right. Have a good time. Do
2: not contact me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you want to check out uh, Castle... Are you going to Castle Rig Stone Circle?
3: I've not done any research on what's in the Lake District. I know there's a lot of water, and I'll be wearing my walking boots, but that's about it.
4: Uh, oh, Peggy's Peg or something as well, isn't there?
2: The old man of Coniston.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, three sisters, is it? Six tits? It's Wigan. Oh, that's Wigan.
3: I'll be be pegging some old men and sisters, is what you're
1: saying. Whatever whatever. floats your boat. Mm. You homo.
3: Yeah. Get to Homo
1: Park. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us. It's been great, Matt. Stay on the line while we play ourselves out. Hey, you've also, you kept this quiet, you've got a second channel, Philosophy Channel. Oh. Yeah. Link in the show notes for that. Two minute terrifying philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) Two minute bite sized uh, philosophy deconstructions. okay, nice. Um, What's it? What's it called? The channel? It's called Fleeting Philosophy. Fleeting Philosophy. Mm -hmm. Links in the show notes. Mm. Right, right. You date a lot out there. We'll be back for part two very soon. Mm. For a rapid or some funny shit. We're gonna do some pun stuff. Yeah, Yeah. packed, fast. (laughs) Right. Saying See you in a bit. Bye. Right then, we're back.
4: The Dwarf, the Cripple, and the Pancreatic Islets of (laughs) Langerhound.
1: That was our chat with Matt Chin from Apocalypse YouTube channel. Uh, That's good, wasn't it? I just realised I'm Martin Short. (laughs) You're Martin Short. (laughs) Yeah. You're Ned Needlander. Yeah.
4: (laughs) What does that make uh, Ben and me? Well, who's taller out of you two? Ben. So Chevy Chase is... Ben and your dusty bottoms. Yeah, <laughs>
1: dusty I'm, bottoms. I'm lucky day. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I'll, you I'll, t- I'll take that. As long as I'm not mine. Short. That was yeah.
4: absolutely fascinating <laughs> from uh, Matthew Chin, Matt Apocalypse. It was. Yeah. I like
2: the triangles.
4: Yeah, that was some mad shit. Because you know, I always thought longitude was a made-up thing. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Just, I thought it was just nonsense. <laughs> um, uh, but you know they had it. They had it figured out, but you know, I suppose it was uh, the amount of accuracy was perhaps an issue for mainly for more
1: modern sailing boats.
0: Mm.
1: Who you knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, check out his channel. There's lots of Atlantis shit on there, and the philosophy channel. I, uh, he kept that quiet. Mm. He posted a little uh, community post on his YouTube, his main channel, <coughs> saying, oh, "I'm starting this fleet in philosophy," and it's little oh, well, two minute. Chunks, digestible chunks, philosophy breakdowns. Good. A snippet yeah. of Kierkegaard. Yeah. yeah. Right. Let's move on. Show me what you Capital letters. A big news story. Headlines of the week. Just the two, just two this week. Complete rubbish. Ah. We're furious after our carefully separated recycling was mixed into one bin. Now now we're taking things into our own hands. Wow. This is the story. All about how my
2: life... Uh, That turned upside down. (laughs)
1: Locals have been left furious after their carefully separated recycling was mixed into one bin by refuse collectors. Those living in Canterbury in Kent have now taken the fight to the council asking why they need to sort their rubbish if it's going to the same place. (laughs) Because we fucking told you so. Yeah. Do as you told you, fucking peasant. Footage taken by Martin Johnson, one annoyed resident, showed workers piling the contents from four separate bins into one giant orange one. (laughs) It shows the bin man walking up to Mr. Johnson's neatly stacked pile of boxes in which he'd separated out cardboard, glass and plastic. Dragging behind himself a large orange bin, the worker quickly starts emptying Mr. Johnson's boxes into it. He then drags the bin back over to the waiting lorry. Mr. Johnson, a former bin man himself, a a whistleblower (laughs) and insider, claimed workers were making a mockery of those who followed the rules to the Furious John. I've got a picture of Furious John here. Mm. There he is. Whoa. Whoa. I would not mess with him. What the fuck's that around his neck? What's around his neck? Wheelie bin. What I, is it? I don't know. Is it a, is it a mobile phone? No, it can't be. Is it one of those things where if you fall and you can't get up? <laughs> I fall and then I can't get up.
4: I'm you're pressing, pressing the What's alarm. going on with his legs? Is he got black legs? Are they dead? That <laughs> sucks. <laughs> is, he, is he necrotic?
2: I don't know. I don't know. He's very angry. He Obviously
1: does. well he's furious for obvious reasons.
2: Mm. Why's well, he got two people's bins? Um twenty-two and twenty-three. Maybe he lives in a flat.
1: Okay, I'll let him have a communal. It's bin. like the photo is not a bit
4: of shit anyway.
1: Oh. Anyway, uh sixty-six year old told Kent online, it makes me furious. I assume they take it to the recycling site and tie it up together. I thought they would put the cardboard in one part of the truck and the rest in the other. It made me so annoyed that I phoned them. Wow! I told them, "That's <laughs> it. I'm not sorting out my recycling anymore. I'm going to chuck it all into one bin." But he claimed the council told him if he didn't separate the recycling, it wouldn't be collected. I have the video that John took. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: here tapping this shit.
1: That's a cardboard. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's the the glass. Uh, Just the tin cans now, I think. Maybe that's that's cardboard. I mean...
2: I just chuck it... (laughs)
4: Do you not just incinerate it all anyway? Because it's pointless.
1: I think they just sell it to China, don't they? <laughs> they sell it to China and they 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 put it in landfill.
5: So what is the point of sorting it out? <clears throat> yeah.
2: Only one shot. See, eh?
1: you see, see the uh, the legend on the side of the van. Recycle it, right? Recycle it, right? Yeah. Nope. Nope.
2: I'm not so now again. What?
1: We're paying their wages to do it. <laughs> the council has previously revealed more than 670 tonnes of contaminated recycling had to be sent to landfill in 2021 because of irresponsible householders. Contaminated recycling. So all of my, re- your, uh,
2: yeah, your beer bottles
1: and like. All of my recycling is contaminated. Yeah, I don't wash anything. I, I might give some a well. I give. I rinse. I rinse under cold time.
2: Are you supposed to soak the labels off your bottles as well? Because that's paper and shit and glass. Really? I'm sure you are. Yeah. It all goes
1: in the same van.
2: Will it?
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah. As far as I can tell
1: your your labels off
2: no No. (laughs) time for that shit
1: No. no um a sportsman for canterbury city council said we thank mr johnson for making us aware of these incidents and apologize to him clearly it is not acceptable for this to happen when residents have spent their time carefully separating their recycling we can reassure mr johnson that this will be fully investigated and appropriate action taken Moving on. Woman who married a ghost <laughs> ditches husband after less than a year.
2: I wonder yeah. if he ghosted her.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> a singer who claimed to have married the ghost of a Victorian soldier says she's getting divorced. Brocard. That's her name. Brocard. B-R-O-C-A-R-D-E. Brocard. Brocard. Brocardi. Brocardi? <laughs> Hyacinth Brocard. Brocardi. Forty. Forty.
2: Forty.
1: Here
4: we go. Uh,
2: well
1: forty five. She is in the biz, the music biz. Maybe she has to be just a lie about her age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to phrase that nicer, but didn't happen. Uh, Said she met the spirit of Eduardo one stormy night in 2021, when he burst into her bedroom and immediately professed his love for her. They supposedly then became inseparable, with the ghost even sending her cryptic messages in the shower. Mm? In the shower. Mm. Is that like writing it in the steam on the Mm. on the shower screen?
2: Make sure you put them shampoo bottles in the recycling.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wash Wash them them. out and soak your labels. (laughs) Soak your labels. It didn't take long before cracks began to appear in their otherworldly relationship. Brocard previously claimed herself and Eduardo had argued over their wedding dates. She said, I want a summer <laughs> wedding, but he hates the heat, and I'd secretly love to make him melt, but he disappears often enough as it is. He so goes snowman. <laughs> For weeks, we got nowhere with it, so I'm going to design a Ouija board for wedding dates to see which we are both drawn to. So they did pick a date. Would you like to see the wedding? Would I?
5: Do you take Eduardo to be your partner in the adventure that lies ahead? Do you promise to walk side by side to the ends of the earth? To love, encourage and support each other in every endeavour? Do you commit to opening yourself up completely and sharing your entire beings together to share laughter as well as tears? Do you take Eduardo as your partner from now until the end of time?
1: I do. I think I'm married in like a... It's the cave, West Kennet Longborough. <laughs> yeah, always. It? Yeah, car park. It's a, a multi-storey. Yeah, I mean, Just yeah. brought her on candles. yeah. I wonder who's, who's officiating.
2: I wonder how he's getting paid.
1: <laughs> to keep a straight face.
5: <laughs> Eduardo, do you take Ricard to be your partner in the adventure that lies ahead?
4: No. Do you promise
5: to walk side by side to the ends of the earth, to love, encourage and support each other in every endeavour? Do you commit to opening yourself up completely and sharing your entire beings together to share laughter as well as tears, do you take Ricard to be your partner from now until the end of time?
0: (laughs) He does.
5: (laughs) 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 Do you take (coughs) Eduardo...
1: Strange, eh? What the
5: fuck? strange.
1: Okay, let's move on. First on BBC One, (laughs) Prince Andrew becomes part of Jimmy Savile's dream team. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. The ways of doing this are legion. And my favourite way of doing this is word of mouth. Tell Mm. people. Maybe post online if you're in Telegram groups, Facebook groups, Discord servers, whatever. Post some links and help us spread the word and the love. X and X on X. Is that what you do now? Who knows?
4: Um, The newsletter came out, didn't it, recently?
2: Oh, the newsletter. First
4: of the the month it comes out. The From Springer. Just just under uh, a week ago. So you can sign up to that via the website, or I imagine there's a link somewhere in the show notes to the website um, where you can do that. In the newsletter, you'll find Ben's column. Yes. Phil normally does an article. I don't believe there was one this uh, week, but there are some memes. There are some... Uh, you get to know all of the guests that are coming up in the in the upcoming month.
1: Um, and various other tidbits... Hit bits. Mm. Yeah, link in the show notes for that. Sign up to the newsletter. yeah uh, you get a, a discount code off the merch store as well. You get yeah, ten percent off. Oof. Um show artwork. Yeah, got um got a couple of bits from Johnny Fong this week. Oh, brilliant. Like to uh highlight. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he posted this in the element One does not feast on plant based rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's uh, that's Lance there from Rise Above. You have got Rise Above on the uh, crown. Yeah, got mm-hmm. a bottle of Witch Piss. Mm-hmm. Chris's Witch Piss from Sheep Farm, and then the goblet. You might not be able to make it out. It says Musical Truth, which is Mike Devlin's podcast. You know he's mm-hmm. wearing Mike's coming a, on in a few weeks. He's also wearing a bacon nuts. And he's deer, wearing but... <laughs> a bacon nuts t-shirt. Yeah. Obviously, so that was good. I mm. like that. That's and, a lot of uh,
2: grapes on that plate.
1: No currants.
5: <laughs> Not currants, oh, yeah.
1: currants, just yeah. grapes. Yeah,
5: grape.
4: Very good. And we just <laughs> we're just we just
5: looking dried forms of what fruit? Currants. <laughs> currants. 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 Currants.
0: Grape. Currants. <clears> currants.
5: <throat>
1: grape. He also sent uh, sent this one today. Look him in the <laughs> eyes and tell him you wore factor ninety.
2: Wow.
4: Yeah, he died, didn't he? he forgot, you did. He didn't turn on the. Uh, what was it called? Where's thing? this picture from? It's all recall. Right. And it's the baddie, isn't uh, it? Cohegan! Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll get, get you, you, you bastard! <laughs>
2: Cohegan! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: oh,
4: stay geez. alert, control the climate, <laughs> ruin lives.
1: Right, yeah. You all, we've all <laughs> got to chip in, mm-hmm. chip in and do our bit. Yeah, we might have something coming up on EVs uh, shortly. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't know if that is suitable show artwork for us for the podcast. I don't think it's um, right and proper to use other people's logos in our podcast art. Would you not concur?
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, And not this up anyway. Just um, a quick derivative of the YouTube thumbnail. So I guess what you said massive. He's a mm. massive man, ginormous,
4: <laughs> excellent. That's like how it? he. That's how he figures out the curvature of the earth. <laughs> he just
2: gets up out there.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um Everybody's been smashing the like, commenting, yeah. sharing, ringing the bell on YouTube. Um, you can also leave us a five-star review on uh, Spotify because nothing else will do. That's all good for the algo. I'll um, leave us a review and we'll read it out for you. If we get a nice comment, we'll read that out as well, especially if it's strange.
2: Yeah. Um, Spend your hard-earned cash yeah. in the merch store. Oh, yes. What can you buy from the merch store, Ben? You can buy a... Oh, sorry, I forgot about <laughs> this one. You can buy You Are The Carbon They Want To Reduce yeah. t-shirt. A snippet, £27.34. pence. Uh,
1: several price points. I think the cheapest one is 20
4: quid. For the the cheap old t-shirt. Yeah. But still good quality. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a thousand thread count or
2: something. Yeah, it will keep the UV radiation from your skin (laughs) in certain areas. When we're living in caves again. Yeah. Yeah. Get your nuts out if you're a Francis Bacon nut. Do
4: you think it's going to be called the Chin Event? (laughs) I think it might be.
2: (laughs) Who knows? It should be. Yeah. Start a
1: petition now. The Chin Excursion. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Centered at the Lake District. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope not. I hope we don't have any excursions coming up.
4: No, so do I. Yeah, it sounds
1: <laughs> terrifying, especially the Chin
2: Excursion. It sounds like a terrifying deformity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you guys! Three weeks to flatten the earth. Yeah, it's one of my personal favourites. So, uh, Lee from the Big Conspire rustled this one up for us. There you go. That's it. showing that
2: Atlantis is actually on a spaceship. Out in the uh, in the yeah. space, I am sure that's <laughs> a
1: three, four, five triangle that the UFO yeah. is is. You know, it's North Pole and South Pole. It's measuring, yeah, literally a communist hoodie mm. and the official logo. Mm. Get your, get your merch if you sign up to the newsletter, you get a discount coupon code, ten percent off. 10%. I'll say fair in that, can we? No. Joy, uh, birth- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got, <laughs> to, you got
4: you got to join the Element server first, and then you can do a birthday shout out.
1: Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah, you can join the Element server. Yes. It's our social hub where we get lots of people sending news articles and video clips uh, that we use in part two. Or you can just email us at thearmistinquisition at com. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want to connect with us, Element is the place to do it because we're not allowed to discord anymore. It got melted, We are, which was oh, a shame. Geez. We had, you know, I don't know how many people we had. A hundred odd, something in there. Mm-hmm. Um. But Element is uh, unsinkable, it seems. Mm. So it's too big to fail. We've got to move with the times, man. Yeah. Thanks to Helen for setting that up. Uh, and yeah, there are threads in there. Birthday. If you want a birthday shout out, if someone in your in your social circle, your family has a birthday coming up, mm-hmm. let us know, and we'll, we'll we like playing funny jingles. You see, and we have mm. mi- we have multiple birthday jingles now, and it's a shame not to use them. I've got mm. this video, this uh, birthday fail from this week. Have you seen those giant party poppers that you can get now? Like a tube, sends up a big. Yeah, I've got one at home. Have you? Well, don't do what this dad did.
0: Happy birthday to you. (laughs) 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 Happy
2: birthday to you. Oh, that's on purpose. No more kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) DIY (laughs) vasectomy. Castration. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, you can uh, you can request some chi focusing in your direction as well. Yeah, yes. This is a service that we offer. It's unique to the Armist Inquisition. We will focus our chi as a community to you for your given aim. Maybe you've got a driving test coming up, a job interview, big presentation, big pound point. You have to do Whatever it is. So maybe, maybe you're yeah. just down in the dumps and you want cheering up and you want a funny jingle playing and you want your shout out. Uh, email us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com or mm. contact us on the Element server and we will we will do that for you. She mm. whiz. Uh,
4: so, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. We e- wrapped it up. Except tosses a coin.
1: Toss a coin to the Absolutely. Do it for the lads. 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 Yeah, if you uh, go to thearmsinquisition at, uh, dot com. You'll find a PayPal button there, and you can give us a one-off donation or sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation and help us keep the lights on. Uh, We've had numerous emails over the last few weeks from PayPal about donations not going through. Um, So, and I heard, I was listening to No Agenda a week or two ago, and they've been having the same issue. Mm -hmm. PayPal donation, uh, monthly um, payments not going through. So... Maybe you just don't want to donate anymore, which is fine. It's fine. It's value for value. Uh, but if you do, and uh, you've noticed that your name hasn't been read out or credited, then maybe it's uh, it's at your end, mate. Yeah, it's check you, check again. yourself. <laughs> check, check your PayPal self before mm. you wreck yourself. Uh, okay, right. Have we, we've done all the housekeeping. That was quick.
2: Whizzed through.
1: Gosh, it's it's time then, isn't it? It's time. I have to thank the... Uh, Oh. Man Sorry, man I'm at six yo. and seven. I'm a bit out of Nick. It's been how long is it since we did a uh, a live proper live show like this? Four weeks. Might be three three weeks, maybe. Oh. Mm. It might be five. I don't know.
5: Anyway, it's time. It's time to big up the man
1: dems, yo. Okay, producers for episode 291. We have Richard Morris, Martin Young, Rona Kesson. <laughs> Ben Limmer, Matthew Chin, what? <laughs> Matthew Chin, Elia, Emma Bridges, Chris from Sheep Farm, Helen, Joe, Johnny Fong. Thank you. It's
2: so amazing. Nice
5: they are. They <laughs> are.
1: In their love. In
2: their love.
5: Yeah. So amazing. In their. Oh, Willie G. Love literally. The best mate.
4: Because I'm literally a communist.
5: Dwarfs. the currents, the great, the Doctor of Thugonomics, the Homophobe, the wind, the Champ Fucking Lenses, the Chest Feeding, Communist, the, ah! the... the
1: Base Sigma Chad, the
4: Corn Pop Chance,
1: the Baby Penis Inner
4: Asshole, these clockwork clowns, the
5: Dime Bar, the Number 11, the Bee Gang on the Bus, the Blind Man, the Big Jungus, the Cripple, and the Mother of
0: Money Pickering from Hell, Bring it on. Now. I'm <laughs> retarded! I
1: don't get it, I never will. Yep, thanks for your support for another week. I forgot to mention in the, uh, the housekeeping, I was on, uh, I got an, a YouTube notification the other day. Uh, Grimerica podcast is live with Michael LaFlemme, Visions of Atlantis. Ooh. So, um, and Graham gave us a shout out right at the top of the show. So oh, thank, wonderful. thanks to us for uh, for connecting them. Oh. So that's thanks. nice, it was good. I really liked uh, Michael's book and uh, good to see him on one of the bigger shows. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and thanks Graham, for uh, the shout outs much appreciated. Mm. Yes. Are you retarded?
5: <laughs> <laughs> retarded!
1: <laughs> okay, uh, end of show ISOs. I got six. Six? I Whoa. got six. What a bounty. How about this one? I'm yeah, I mean that's pretty accurate for me. It's uh, it's good friend of show, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Okay, what about bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Triple threat, JP. Mm. Bit lame, bit lame. Okay, uh, what about uh, sheeple?
3: We are just the uh, the sheeple that consume.
1: Uh, We're just says, the sheeple that consume.
2: He sounds tired. Mm-hmm. Come on, next. Next, next. okay.
4: Nurse Gladys. I really hesitate to inflict psychological pain on you.
2: That's quite good. Yeah, I'm enjoying that that
1: one. That's good, isn't it? I really hesitate to inflict psychological pain on you. Mm. So that's a contender. Okay, let's go for meat pie. Meat pie.
2: (laughs) I like meat pie better than goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. (laughs) Meat pie. Could we have?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good pie, meat pie. Could we have goodbye, goodbye <laughs> meat pie? <Yeah. laughs> yes, please. Bye-bye. Oh, no, it's bye-bye. Oh, bye-bye meat pie.
2: Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. Meat, meat pie. You <laughs> can just bye-bye meat pie. Oh, gosh, that's a hard. it's so quick.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> meat, meat
2: pie. Yeah, we could, we'll smash that together.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> meat <laughs> pie. I like
2: it. You've got the rhythm now.
1: Uh, well, you say that, but I think I've got the better one here. I think this is fitting for our podcast.
5: Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it <laughs> may be shit.
1: <laughs> yes. That should be the start of every show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Meat <mate>. pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh,
1: okay. What what are we having? What's the vote with three of us? I'd like
2: i like pie, bye, bye meat pie. Maybe good, maybe shit. Oh, my
1: gosh. Right. <laughs> okay. Testing me. <clears throat> Bye-bye, meat pie. You want three. You're just greedy. Glutton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye bye, you want bye-bye, meat pie, maybe sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, do you know, um, Johnny um, Fong, when he posted that um, picture of us with the uh, sheep farm guys and Lance and that, he was saying he was trying to get the word out. Because, mm. he, you know, like me, he's, he's vexed why this podcast isn't more popular, why it isn't massive.
4: Okay. And... (laughs) I think Gennaro Gattuso uh, explained the reason (laughs) behind that. (laughs) That's who it is.
2: Sometimes maybe
4: good. Gennaro Gattuso. Oh, is Uh, that who he is?
1: Is he a football man or something? Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard to understand when uh, we we drop pearls like this on the regular. I've never known a toilet blush holder... (laughs) Hold toilet brushes up, brush end all. Wow. That's yeah.
2: an end of show. I say. <laughs>
1: I've never known a toilet brush <laughs> holder hold toilet brushes up, brush end all.
2: Wow. Philosopher,
1: <laughs> my sphincter is stronger than an orange. <laughs> oh, <whoa. laughs>
4: Fleeting ah. philosophy. That's it.
1: Yeah. My sphincter is stronger than an orange. <laughs> Oh, they, gosh, those were from uh, last week's barn raising. And that
4: was a classic,
1: wasn't it? <coughs> like um, all, all, you, all you lot that just watches on YouTube, every uh, end of every month we do a barn raising, which is audio only, so we can say whatever we want. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we there's, no, there's no, no video. Yeah, we talk about sphincters quite often as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You really um, confused me, Matt, when you were talking about your, your builder and his, his marital status. Um, so he turned up with two labourers, <laughs> the Forrester,
4: on robot was sorry. They quit after um, t- a week. And no, we're not working for you anymore. Two two builders quit after a week. Said they're not working for you anymore. Right. And he got another. And then his son-in-law, kind of. What did he say to him? Who? Me. The guys who quit. I don't know.
1: That made him quit. Said they're not working for you
4: anymore. One of them said he had family problems. He's kind. He's he's married to his s- sister. I think
2: that's a big family problem.
4: <laughs> and then the other one got another job. I don't he's know. Married to his sister, the labourer was. Yeah.
2: Like a shiny <laughs> I go I
1: thought I was tripping, but well, I was tripping slightly. Like I thought I was tripping balls listening to him last week. He's got I family know. problems. He's we married were... to his own <laughs> sister. <laughs> no, he's married
4: to the builder's sister. Oh, oh, yeah. One of them said he had family problems. He's, kind of, he's, he's married to his s- sister, I think. Are you retarded? <laughs> <laughs> Just follow the conversation.
1: Terrible.
2: <sighs> Context.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Context is everything, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's been kicking off in Australia this week, though. I've got uh, I've a... Uh, uh, is it... Australian green np oh yes. suffering from uh, this is a... I don't know if i'm if i'm coining this or whether someone Coiny. else already has coining yeah ccds ccds climate change derangement syndrome oh. Mm. The planet is literally cooking. Wow. Mate, you can <laughs> shut your
5: mouth. Uh, Ma- you can Senator, shut your Senator mouth. McKim. People Senator are McKim. dying Senator McKim
2: because resume, of you
1: and sociopaths like you. <laughs> Senator McKim, I'm resume. not
2: going to cop interjections from sociopaths like <laughs> Senator Canavan. <laughs> Senator I will McKim, resume, cop your it seat. And what they've got to answer for is death, disease. Displacement, starvation, people dying of thirst, arable farming lands turning into desert, and most likely billions of people dead by the end of this century, and the collapse of the ecosystems that actually support all human life on this planet. That's what people like Senator Canavan have got to answer for. All he's doing is trying to prevent the chin excursion. Give me something for the
1: cringe and let me yeah, die.
2: <laughs> <it>? Senator Caravan. That's <laughs> that his name. Caravan. Sounds
1: Car- 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 like sounds like Caravan to me. Caravan. It's Canavan. Yeah, Yeah, the um, yeah. He's, he's one of these nutters, isn't he? Climate change derangement he syndrome. Was. You heard it here first, maybe. Green let Party, though, wasn't it? So. Yeah, but I mean, you don't hear people be as vociferous as that in um, houses of parliament generally, do you? No, Uh, not Not climate change. I mean, global climate warming change. He's sticking himself to a runway scene. Yeah, just stop oil. My name is Evan. (laughs) Splatting oil over a Van Gogh. (laughs) Anyway, (coughs) never do not worry because the solution is EVs, isn't it? We all know this. Electric cars. This is going to save everything. Cut all the greenhouse gases. Temperature of the world will come down. Problem solved. Just get your Tesla. Let them eat Teslas, as
5: Charlie Robinson said. ...to be electric by 20... ...to be electric by 20... True or false,
3: President Biden says he wants 50% of new cars to be electric by 2030.
0: True, but I guess now it's 60%.
3: True or false, a typical electric car requires six times the mineral inputs of a conventional car. Yes. If 50% of the cars were electric vehicles today, is there enough
5: power on the electric grid to charge them all?
0: Absolutely not. No.
1: You said in your written statement, Mr. Bradbury, i want to quote you, if every country in the world achieved its stated EV
2: targets by 2030, the total savings in carbon dioxide emissions would be expected to reduce global temperatures
1: by only 0. .0002 degrees Fahrenheit by the year 2100. Given this fact, is it unilaterally... Fahrenheit that was, by the way.
4: Yeah, so it's like that's yes. like from proper, is it? <laughs> no.
1: Gutting the U.S. auto market, critical mineral supply chain and the grid stability, is that the solution for addressing the temperature goals? Well, I, I don't think so. True or false?
0: I think
4: I've seen that, yeah. I've seen a lot of these clips doing the rounds on YouTube. Yeah, these
1: like Senate committee
4: hearings. Yeah, where they like pound them, and it's just, and it's, it's a bit weird that that isn't out there more.
2: That's I wouldn't weird. mind if it made sense. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense.
4: I remember talking about this in high school, so like twenty, more than twenty, nearly twenty-five years ago, about you know electric cars and whether there would be enough power in the grid to charge them.
1: And the, it seems that there isn't. <laughs> there isn't, is there? It's a massive change of use. Yeah. You know, I think how much energy we use through burning um, diesel and petrol to move that into a different sector. It's got to be done very gradually, and a lot of investment will be needed on the grid to make it even come close. You, you that, should
2: focus energy on making solar panels more efficient so you could have one that perhaps charges a car while you're driving you it, or yeah. hydrogen. You live in
1: Lancashire. Have yeah. you have you been out this week? Well, well the the sun last, ain't there. The sun is last a dead <laughs> <laughs> You know, Solar's great, but it, you know... If you live in maybe in Nevada or something, well, it
2: needs mm. to be more efficient, so it just, i mean solar panel work your calculator for instance, or work in a in the daytime, so mm. if something was as efficient as it needs to be, then that that wouldn't be a problem but the fact is it's not they're not as efficient as they need to be,
1: well like these massive solar farms that they' that they're doing they're, they're taking up all this land that could be used for other things, whether that be farming agriculture, whatever, with these massive solar farms. And that's all it is. It's just land filled with solar panels.
2: And that's not generating enough electricity to put into the grid to support EVs. No. So there's not... A big, again, it wouldn't even if they were 100% efficient, those solar pa- panels. You can't compare the amount of energy produced by conventional means with a
1: solar farm. No. It's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah. different beast. And... Uh... I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Well, they'll figure it out in the next, what, seven years, isn't it? That's when they're banning them. I don't know. I think, think like, it's like,
4: you know, Rishi Sunak granted more licenses, didn't he, to explore for yeah. you know, see,
1: guy, uh, gas. Did you see that point in the statement where he said, "We 25% of our energy will be gas and oil after we reach net zero? How's that work? Well, after... Yeah, you have to offset your carbon. Yeah, really. yeah it's bullshit. Mm. We'll still be burning. We'll still be burning that stuff, and you know it's not going to make a blind bit of difference. That's the thing. Other than make people poorer, and, well, uh, and some uh, people increase taxes. Increased taxes. Yeah. yeah, that's it. It is all about the money yeah. going to the ruling classes. It always is. <laughs> anyway, it always has been. Um, you're talking about viral videos of Senate committees. There's been a great. I haven't had time, basically. It was too long, but the... um, Oh, I forget the name of the committee in Australia. Senate Committee on Education and Employment Legislation Committee um, had two bots from Pfizer in. (laughs) And they were grilling them about the uh, the jabs, COVID vaccines from Pfizer. And um, it turns out, I saw before John, Dr. Nurse Gladys, John Campbell's done a video on it. And uh, there's three particular senators who really go in, put the knife in, and it's really interesting to watch. They they like the, the more like politicians than doctors. The way they answer the questions, they mm-hmm. can't give a simple answer to a simple question. But um, it was like hours long, and there was three particular senators who got maybe seven minutes each. So it was too long to put in the show. If we had like a, if we had more time, or we had a second show, I'd be able to do it, but. Unfortunately not. But on on the plus side, I do have a copy of Pfizer's indemnity agreement from the... Uh, it's a freedom of inf- information request. You know, they signed the agreement mm. with every government so that they can't be sued if something goes wrong. Mm. Didn't they want... Uh, uh, was it Argentina? They wanted access to military bases if they failed to pay. All that kind of crazy shit. And I've got a, a copy of Pfizer's indemnity agreement here. It's slightly redacted, but... <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was going to be real <laughs> hey
2: that's oh, cold. be interesting yeah
1: I baited you, you, I baited did, you into yeah. that. fuck uh, you peasants it's the, is that the from j- right above no um did someone send us that on email can't remember
0: right
1: can't remember where that's from but anyway <laughs> on to happier news uh cryptid news Dogmen. japanese dogmen. Yes. japanese man dressed as a dog uh, do you remember us doing this story the border collie yeah, yeah the lassie is it long Is it what kind of collie was it yeah border, border. was it a border collie all right a lassie yeah he's taken his first venture out in the public
2: this man spent around rupees 18 lakh to transform into a dog <laughs> a person from Japan invested many years of his life and a considerable amount of money all to accomplish his dream of becoming an animal. Known as Toko, he has ventured into the outer world for the first time. It took a Japanese firm 40 days to create this hyper-realistic dog costume. With a leash around its neck, the human dog rolls on the floor and sniffs other
5: dogs to replicate their behavior.
1: It's taking fairies to another level, isn't it? <sighs> Fucking nuts, isn't it?
2: Is, it? is it a sex thing? It's usually a sex thing. Is it a sex thing? Mm.
4: Mm-hmm. oh no <laughs> <laughs> behavior.
2: but despite his online presence Toko wants to keep his real identity hidden he does not
0: no, no shit. he <laughs> no
1: shit
2: oh god he not want his hobbies to be known especially in his
5: professional circle
2: have you seen a video of other dogs around him when he's at the park and no. they're like what oh, the no. fuck why is this massive border cock? <laughs> yeah. does, does, like, does that what? exist yes yes Gosh. I've seen it I'll, I'll try and find it I'll put it in the element
1: Sends a link yeah I'd like to see Tocco, Tocco At the dog park.
4: <laughs> Do you think the dog walker knows that he's not a real dog? <laughs> You'd fucking hope you? so, sure,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> she has to pick up his shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he has a, an excavation, an excavating hole. Oh. Not an excavating, uh Poop shooting. A poop shoot. A poop shoot. An excretion <laughs> hole. Yeah. Out the back of his suit. Oh, God. You would I hope, hope
4: so. Up. Otherwise, it would just be all, you mm-hmm. know, in there filling the legs. Yeah,
2: <laughs> is he naked <laughs> under there?
1: He's got to be. It's got to be hot in that suit. Yeah. You know.
2: oh shit.
1: It'd be like Ace
4: Ventura in, when nature calls, inside the rhino. Oh gosh, I
1: don't remember that film.
2: Do you reckon he's got a cock
1: pocket? <laughs> What's that?
2: Well, oh, then he puts his, his
1: genitals in. Like a
2: dog, a
4: dog, it goes back inside the, yeah. the thing. Oh, the and lipstick. then the, the lipstick comes
1: out.
2: <laughs> mm. I'm, pretty I'm 100%, so, 100% it? sure it's a sex thing.
1: If it's anatomically correct, then I would hope he has a cock pocket. Cock pocket. Yeah. Yeah, there's some fucking weirdos about, isn't there? It's that Ninja
4: Turtle, yo. <laughs> I'm half Barney, half Ninja Turtle. I karate you, you karate me. Hi-yah!
1: <laughs> it's that Ninja Turtle, yo! I'm half Barney, half Ninja Turtle. Is he? <laughs> I <laughs>
0: thought
1: Barney. it was
4: like Donatello, Leonardo, yeah. Ninja Turtle.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got blue eye bands. That that would be Leonardo, wouldn't exactly, it? Yeah, Donatello is purple. He has yeah. no neck. He
2: has no neck. that guy from he did it a
1: Turtle. Who does Gene. he look like? He looks like someone, doesn't he?
2: Guy from Gene. He does look like the Baron, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. he called the Baron? The bar, I think he is. I don't know his actual name. Baron Vanderpump. Baron <laughs> von Greenback.
1: He looks like the leader of the Red Legion from Destiny 2. Cattle. <laughs> oh,
2: well, that's probably on the <clears throat> yeah, same... Uh, Modelled after the same sort of Dune thing. Red Alert is quite... Command & conquers, very sort of Dune-esque from what I remember. Sort like Spice and things or something similar. Anyway, I've got a. i have got I wonder if she plays it. I
1: ah, karate you, ah, karate, you yeah. karate me. Hi-yah!
2: That's what happens when you get too much chi.
1: <laughs> it's got to come out somehow, isn't it? Fucking
4: marker pen though, as well on his face. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like face paint. Ah, now, is think it? of the
1: views though on TikTok. Oh no, oh, yeah, it was that's worth
4: that's it, out. wasn't it? I'll think of the views. For
1: no money. I'll go. Mm. He'll get earn no money. Do you not earn money on TikTok if you get lots of views? No. Do you not? You have to sell stuff, don't you? I think. Ah, oh, you got to monetize, sell bacon, nuts, t-shirts, or donate
4: donations. I believe, right? Uh, don- is how you make money on there, yeah.
1: Our only fans.
4: Or oh. fans, yeah. Mm. Karate and people.
2: Ah, karate! You. It's gonna be stuck in my head that now. <laughs> because
1: yeah. What was the thing I sung to you that got stuck in your head before we started recording?
2: Oh, you see, it's gone now. Um, I karate you. I can't remember.
1: It's it's wiped out. You karate
4: me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Father of the Year. You want to see this one? It's uh, it's a guy in a transit. He's feeding seagulls outside Benson's for beds (laughs) with McDonald's chips. Gonna come in. It's a
2: British institution. Mm-hmm. Is, it in? <laughs> mm. Is it gonna come in? Is it gonna come in? Is it gonna come in?
4: Is it gonna come in? Yeah.
5: If we, we grab one and throw
1: it in here, it <laughs> off. <laughs> did, you, did you catch that? No. <laughs> it
2: was like, Getting one carried.
1: Imagine if I grab one oh. and throw it in here. And it all goes off. And it all goes off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, like I like his. Classic. Yeah, his tattoo a, uh, God, yeah. I was going
4: to say, yeah. The crucifixion. That's a dark. Or, tattoo
2: yeah. Perhaps he's a raised by wolves fan. Yeah. Phil's
4: got piqued Phil's interest. <laughs> Let's I'll see what we We'll runs off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that took some skill, that didn't it, to grab a bird. Sign him the... up. <laughs>
0: but...
1: <coughs> he feeds the gull a chip and, grabs and it, <laughs> grabs it by the legs and pulls it through the wind. <laughs> this guy's a genius. Some sort of savant. Hyundai coordination, Siobhan. If you grab on yeah. the front of we will run off. <laughs> Fuck
0: off.
4: Fuck <laughs> off, <dude. laughs>
0: <laughs> Dad! Dad. Listen to it. I <laughs> oh,
4: <no.
0: laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Look at it. Oh. The poor thing. <laughs> <I> feel, you don't <laughs> <I> feel sorry <laughs> for the...
0: me <laughs> <playing around. laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: class well it's like so broken.
1: absolutely disgusting <laughs> fucking legend i love that clip yeah oh, oh my where, where do we go from there <laughs> oh no where do you want to go is there anything you want to talk about tonight we've only been going 46 minutes
2: i've Getting started up. uh using swords in tai chi uh, two years <laughs> sounds a bit dicey I know well just wait wait till we have, next have a chi request oh, fuck. it's gonna be fucking <clears throat> sharp
1: is it samurai swords you use
2: they're, they're weird they're specific tai chi swords and they have a little tassel on the end for confusing your enemy which end the handle end
4: you say excuse me mine's got a tassel on and you go uh,
2: that is confusing." that is a
1: confuser to me Deco. From the Adret
2: Federation. Ah, <laughs> oh, Darth Dar- Sidious! Have you been to my dojo?
1: <laughs> it's a uh, it's a church hall.
2: Yeah, <coughs> no, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Interesting. So, do you have it. your own
1: sword? So, did you borrow one?
2: You can borrow one, but considering you're going to get your like own, purchase, <laughs> yeah.
4: so you can you can wear your silk kimono.
2: Uh, <laughs> it well, shows too much ass, and then. That's... No, I wouldn't wear the kimono to, to achieve, but I, I may invest in some silks.
1: <laughs> Are there any laws about owning a sword? I don't think so. This one's very sort of flimsy. And... I've been in lots of houses where they've had swords yeah. up on the walls, sword racks, if you like. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a deadly
2: weapon. Really?
1: No, they're quite, they're quite flimsy.
2: Maybe in the right hands it is.
1: Yeah, Maybe. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> so how does that work with the Tai Chi? with the the sword, how does that work?
2: We do you do movements. with I've not done anything with the sword yet. We're just starting, but it it's the same sort of movements, but with a sword. There's also a fan option. There's a specific set of <laughs> icon like moves. Like my oven? <laughs> yeah, they, they use a fan as a as a weapon as oh, well. Oh, that kind of fun. Like a. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this, this sounds like Mortal Kombat 2 now
2: with him Dyson bladeless
1: <laughs>
2: yeah fan uh, Kitana was the yeah. fan The fan there, woman.
1: wasn't there a green lady Melina Marilyn class. yeah
2: so yeah swords swords and fans let's
1: nice
2: see him <laughs> he's gone
4: yeah
2: do we not normally finish now probably but I don't know I don't know um... that's
4: what's on his list
2: Oh God. It's all just hieroglyphs. Weird ninja turtle. We've had a seagull. I karate you. <laughs> you karate me.
4: He's got three more he's got three more bits on here. Has he? Yeah.
2: Bloody hell. What a treat. I
4: know.
2: What a treat for the listeners. So yeah, have you been messing with swords this week, Matt? Uh, no. Um I've been
4: I told you a while ago I was experimenting with uh,
2: Sounding. (laughs) (laughs) Why does it always come back to (laughs) sounding with you? Is that what that sword's for? (laughs) No no way. Right. Tassel would be um, irritating.
4: Um, No, I was experimenting with uh, mouth taping.
2: (laughs) Oh, right. Oh, yes.
4: But um, my wife just shouted at me and said I still snore. And also, I stopped breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) So so I still breathe through my mouth and then go... (laughs) Through the the tape, you see. Oh
2: my god! Mm. Have you so been to a snore doctor.
4: Well, no, I mean apparently it's to do with your palate, isn't it? The shape Soft of your palate. Palette. Yeah. Uvula. So, I don't know. So um, there's not really anything they can do. Apparently.
2: Get it removed.
4: Apparently, there's a guy. There's a guy on uh, who's been on Joe Rogan. I can't remember his name. He wrote. I think he wrote a book called Breathe or Breath. Right. It's like an international bestseller. And that's why I decided again to give it a go because I listened to that episode, and he's done all kinds of mad shit. Um, like he's put something in the roof of his mouth, and you turn it, and so a it, kazoo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, so in the roof of your mouth, you know, like on your, on your uh, skull. Oh, you, where, it knits, where it knits together, you know, the four bits. <laughs> Is it four bits? Your skull's Euphobia. in fovea. And then well, it closes up the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We apparently have that in the roof of your mouth. And if you put a little thing in the middle of it where it all joins and you open it, you can turn it like half, like, you know, a tiny turn every few weeks or something. Oh, you can fuck. open, you can increase the size of your bony palate. And then, so what? It, what this relates to is that apparently it's a new thing to perhaps have all your teeth pulled out rather than. Um, and then have braces pulled, uh, put on, and it pulls the teeth into the gaps. What they actually used to do is put all these contraptions, show you know, those things that went around your head. Yeah, yeah. That was actually to increase the, the size of bones in your mouth so that your teeth just went into the right place. Holy basically, shit. So they did it the other way around rather than taking the teeth out. And um, So he's had that done, and apparently there's like someone in America that does it now quite cheap. Um, you now it's
2: even cheaper. What? Earplugs? Yeah, uh-huh.
4: well, she has them, yeah, but she still complains. Um, so, Separate bedrooms, yeah. Well, that's that's the dream eventually, <laughs> um, and then um, there was all kinds of, but his main thing was just around breath, just breathing through your nose as much as possible, yeah. just in the day, and also he was saying something around, and this led on to me watching that documentary that me and Phil talks about. I don't know if you've seen that one on on Netflix, which is a, about a free diver, and her and her attempts to. Break the world
2: record, right? Jason Statham's record in The Meg 2, two <laughs> twenty five thousand meters. All oh, right,
4: okay. No, she. Like, <laughs> I think she eventually gets to one hundred and three or one hundred and four meters. So she down, and then you obviously you've got to hold your breath when back up as well, and that's when they all pass out. Aren't
2: you supposed to release your breath as you go up so you get in the bends? I am no freediver.
4: <laughs> Apparently, what it's what it said. I don't know they might do, you, the, but the pressure going down crushes your lungs
1: into t- like the size of Coke cans and you, you have to once you get to about 60 metres you stop swimming it just pulls it put, you, you pull under
4: 30 metres it is
1: apparently 30 metres stream. and it and wow. it pushes you down the pressure
2: and at what point do you lose the Playstation controller segment <laughs>
1: <laughs> fucking hell I was talking to uh, on that story of the guys in the tin can when that story broke that week I did a job for an ex Royal Navy Submariner oh nice and he was telling me about it mm-hmm. and um because you know there was this whole thing of oh we've we've lost the signal no one knows what's happening and it was several days before it came out that there was this submarine um, and he, he basically said to me that a dolphin can't fart in the Atlantic without the Americans knowing about it <laughs> right, right they've they've got a network of things and I was, I was asking him like like how far how far how far have you gone down like we'll see I can't tell you oh Visual right little secrets well, Act. UK submarines have a certain floor, mm. and ov- obviously they go further than it is what is in the public domain. And he was telling mm. me about being in the submarine when where bulkheads were buckling, and he was terrified because they were so deep. They were, uh, you know, pushing it, pushing. Wow. It. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. How old was he? Seventy um, odd. Right. Okay. So, and uh, wow. he was talking about the control system. Mm. It was like a, jo- a joystick. The whole submarine moved off a joystick, a really poorly designed, <laughs> terrible joystick. From the Atari. There was some mad design flaw he told me about, but it's months ago now. I've forgotten about it, but sorry, interrupted the story with the anecdote.
4: Was there a big red button on it you don't press the red button?
1: Presumably. That makes the bulkheads buckle. Mm. Oof. Dangerous business. Mm. So go on, free diving.
4: You finish? That was an offshoot, I think, about kind of. Oh, we well, were talking about the breathwork guy, and he said that basically what you do is you just increase your in- just you increase your tolerance to carbon dioxide. And there's something in your in your, there's a sensor in in your what's those tubes called in your face sinuses sinuses yeah that that's what it's related to. So the more you hold your breath, the more. Um, <clears throat> resistant you become to the build-up of carbon dioxide essentially and that's how they, they get around it right jeez. but there's loads of stuff about breathing through you know so he he said basically that he, <clears throat> he i don't know if it was him or somebody else was talking about training athletes and you can get a 10 percent improvement in your um i don't know breathing vl2 max yeah, lung capacity, something That's like that. By breathing through your nose, but you've, again, you've got to get used to the the increase in CO two because it when you start breathing through your mouth and you're breathing more, you're actually breathing more quickly for your knees even though it doesn't feel like that. All the issues that you're finding that you're having are because of the build up of oxygen, not because of uh, the build up of carbon dioxide. Basically,
1: we should try and get Brandon Powell on this show. He's a he was. Uh... Trained in the Wim Hof school. Breed, yeah. Wim Hof breathing.
4: He was talking about that
1: uh, one of the
4: uh, gurus, the one that disappeared in a mountain forever, and you know, he could allegedly he could increase his heart rate to 300 beats a minute and bring it back right down again and all that kind of stuff. He used to go off into a cave every for decades or something to practice. He did what? <coughs> he did this breath work, basically, oh, wow. yeah. And he said, like, the closest you will probably get. So that, this day, is Wim Hof.
1: Yeah, there's stories of people using breathwork to get um, high, exo... What do they call it? Not exogenous highs. Uh, exogenous. Oh, right, okay. He eyes. was kind
4: of saying that, yeah, there was like something in particular he was talking about. I can't quite remember what he called it. Um, but he said he didn't... It, he said, I think he said he's done both psychedelics and that, and it wasn't the same, basically. Apparently, he, did, he went to a class and there was a guy going round... Um, to be a dog or something and he said there's like no way that it, it would have had that effect on him
2: now look at him dressed yeah. as a border collie exactly
1: well shall we wrap up this the sun getting low we've got a few <laughs> bits Um these these modern day fe- feminists ti- uh, terrorise me I'm scared shitless you know these the, the blue earth blue earth feminists you see mm-hmm. yeah. the age of men is over the time of the one man has
0: come
4: oh. <laughs> i don't know where to go it's with so that
1: sad. one <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny yeah it's quite he's it quite so, a, yeah, yeah I mean, it's very um, confusing the whole gender thing at the moment i've been listening to jordan peterson quite a lot he's yeah.
4: quite based He's gone quite. He's gone quite off the reservation in terms of his. Oh, yeah, always,
1: no. If you if you listen if you read the story of Jonah, <laughs> Jonah and the whale, were Cain and Abel, and the dark tetrad. <laughs> oh, okay. It's more.
4: He's just started like calling them all narcissists and psychopaths and sociopaths.
1: Yeah, yeah, dark tetrad personality disorders. Mm. Yeah, it's fe- it's very strange. It's. Uh... It's interesting. He, uh, it depends who he has on. He interrupts a lot on his podcast, which I don't like. He does, yeah, if he's got a point. Yeah. But it's a complicated question. I like this video of uh, explaining gender to an alien. I quite like this one.
3: How many uh, genders are there? Sixty-two. It's hard to know, really. It's changing all the
1: time. So, your species is evolving that rapidly. Remarkable. Uh, Perhaps while you are sitting here, you will grow additional limbs or develop the ability to breathe underwater. Um, no, that's not what we meant. It's too bad. So, what are these genders, and how do they Function? Function?
2: I don't understand.
1: Why, yes. On uh, my planet, uh, the female gender is the giver of life, raising and nurturing our young, preserving our civilization for eons to come, while the males mostly just mow our space lawns and make multiple trips to space home people.
2: What you're talking about is sex. Gender is something different.
1: Exactly. People can identify with genders different than their natal sex or with none at all. But why? It's just the way we feel.
3: No! Was the way we we're born. Well,
1: of course, a lot of times they don't realize how they were born until someone tells them. Someone like a teacher, or social
3: media influencer.
1: Oh, I understand. On this planet, there are people who are men and people who are women and people who are mentally ill.
2: Can I... Uh... Can I request remarkable?
1: As a <laughs> remarkable, <laughs> remarkable. That was stolen off something. That phrasing—it's <laughs> off Star Trek or uh, something. Yeah, Family Guy st- or something. Yeah, remarkable, remarkable.
4: remarkable. <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed that. It's quite nice deconstruction, wasn't it? Well, a thought
1: experiment. Well, be careful. You get cancelled for saying things like that. It's that a real alien. It's too late. <laughs>
2: Remarkable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, I have a new a new hero, a new spirit animal. You seen these rappers on TikTok? These uh, they'll film in like on the estate of themselves rapping to a backing track. No, no, no. Is rap dr- rap is, is, a, is a is a kind of music where you play a backing track and you spit spit lyrics over the top. Sometimes oh, you, you mean freestyle. slam poetry, kind of, yeah. And uh, these young lads, there's a, a way out. It's a bit like football. For for lads who grow up in council estates,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, football is a way out. And so is rapping on TikTok and YouTube. It's a way to escape the social deprivation and make a shit ton of money quick. Yeah. Uh, Would you not agree? I mean, yeah. talking yeah. my arse? I don't know. No. Well... So, a lot of these young lads are going to TikTok to film themselves and hoping someone says it. Right, okay. All man. right, I'll sign you up. Give Dre, oh, oh okay. Dr. Dre's seen it. Oh, right,
2: yeah, someone with influence sees it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I love this <sighs> one. see in my insides, feed feed Granger yeah, because that's where my team is,
4: Ooh, P, Grammy with <laughs> 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 It's not yeah. even his house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: unless that's his dad could that bloke be any more northern <laughs> i think that's a turtle guy
5: <laughs> do you think it is yeah
4: could be
0: it's
2: that ninja
4: turtle yo <laughs> i'm half barney half ninja turtle i karate <laughs> you you karate <laughs> me yeah.
1: it could be let's see
4: my insides, cannabis I feed them. Cannabis I
5: feed them. Granger, believe in. because yeah, that's where my team is. doopy Grammy. is the with the TV off now. Oh, Johnny, make a genre, TikTok video. <laughs> yeah,
2: with the off Yeah, the with the
0: off
1: Do you mind fucking mind- off now? <laughs> I love the way. Right, I'm gonna have to pause this. I love the way. You I love the way he can't even look at him. No, this is a no. I think this is a thing. You're that enraged that you have to look past the guy. Yeah. Before, while you're saying it, do you know what I mean? It's like,
5: do you mind fucking off <laughs> <up> now?
4: Because <laughs> you're that incandescent. You do do that actually. I've noticed that when you get
1: raged. Do I get rage? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's quite kind of like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh dear <coughs> oh,
0: that little bitch,
1: bitch. <laughs> i think i'm spent how long yes. we oh, we've done over an hour can sign go. off all oh, right okay is that okay now we've reached I, that I feel like we should do over an hour because yeah okay
2: it's only fair value for value
1: <laughs> right okay yeah i mean yeah my sphincter is stronger than an <laughs> orange <laughs> yeah Right. So let's fuck off into the night. I karate me. You karate me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll
1: be back next week with a guest in the studio. Oh, yeah. You're not here next week, man No, I'm,
2: I'm taking a leave of absence for a number of weeks. Again? I'm a busy man.
1: Right. So we'll have a guest in the studio. That'd be a nice change. Mm. I'll have to get some jammy red in. Oh, yes. Oh. I don't think he really likes it. I think he just. Uh, you ruined me. Yeah. That's some witch
2: piss.
5: Are you retarded? Mm.
1: <laughs> right. The sun's getting real low. So tired. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay.
1: We'll sign off then. Yes. I'm, I'm tired. We'll About next week, yeah Yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have a very good evening. Yeah, hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? They say you're aroused by e-scooters at the age of 34. Right, sayonara. Goodbye. Bye. Tush Pots.
2: Epic dub. Thank you for watching.
0: Einhorn
1: is Putin. It's Finkel. Finkel is. is Hitler. Einhorn! Einhorn is a.
5: Based Sigma Chad.
1: Man! Bullshit, take it out! The my darling queen. It is bonkers.
4: Calm down. I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil,
1: that uh <clears throat>
0: uh and it really bothers me. It's
1: that ninja turtle, yo. I'm half Barney, half ninja turtle. I karate you, you karate me.
4: Uh uh. uh. Uh, because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this
5: respect <laughs> uh. That's it man Game over man Game over Oh my god Asna bye
1: Bye 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 bye
3: Bye
4: bye. Me pie. Sometimes may be good. Sometimes may be shit.